0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to this very special live spoiler review of Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, brought to you by the
1: Geek
0: Buddies! <gasps> hey! That's right, that's okay. right, we are, here. <laughs> we are okay. here to get it done today. <laughs> We're on this President's Day, we appreciate you all taking the holiday to hang out with us. And I got to say a special thank you to my brothers, Michael Vogel and Shannon McClung for taking time on the President's Day holiday to hang out and have this fun movie review. We're going to break it all down. It goes top to bottom in this thing. So if you haven't watched Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, you're either a glutton for punishment or you just don't care and just want to hang out with us. As we talk about this movie, we're going to break it all down. We're going to talk Hank and Janet. We're going to talk about sex-positive women. We're going to talk about Modar. We're going to talk about Kang. We're going to talk about Scott and Cassie. Catherine Newton being ingrained into the MCU, introduced rather into the MCU. Baskin Robbins, employed for a century. Is that a real thing? We're going to talk about it all and get into it all here and have a little blast here today. So uh, just a reminder before we start, though, uh, the Streamlabs and Super Chats are open. So if you want to send in stuff now do it now you want us to answer them as we go along do it now we will absolutely be answering Streamlabs super chats as it goes along i pinned it in the chats in the description of the video and right there on the screen as well well let's introduce ourselves i am the outlaw john roker writer producer and host here on the geek buddies
2: I am Michael Vogel, writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies. And it's a chat Sagittarius, and I like long walks on the beach. And I was in Palm Springs this weekend, and I drank a lot of uh, vodka sodas with splashes of pineapple, which is a really delightful drink to drink poolside. So now you know all about me. Tell me about you. Congratulations. Congratulations.
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> and Shannon.
2: Hey, this is Shannon McClung.
3: I apologize if I sound like I'm in a tin can. Or like Modoc. Uh the 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 Ventura update for Mac is oh, not god. working well with my mic. Um
2: Oh God, can we please dress Shannon up as Modoc for Halloween?
3: I I would one hundred percent do it. I like would just like all black
2: like black bodysuit and put oh, him in the yeah. little head and give you little legs and little arms that just hang off your head and you just want oh my god. Can we please? I Shannon. I, I'm on
3: board. I'm on
2: board. <laughs> but yes i'm also an an animation
3: writer and television actor but you're gonna get to see me this friday on the season premiere of party down
0: on stars party down that's gonna be a lot of fun and uh reviews are starting to trickle out for party down so uh definitely gonna take a look at that when we get a chance uh to see shannon mcclung there, in all his glory. Undoubtedly,
3: I am mentioned in them. Undoubtedly.
0: <laughs> I'm sure you are. <laughs> um, all right, so we're going to get into things. Oh, yeah, and then big shout out to, of course, to uh, to um, uh, Carbon Health continues to power and sponsor us here on the Geek Buddies. You got any health care questions, concerns, or needs? Have you fallen into the quantum realm? Have you been reduced to a big face with small legs? Well, head on over to uh, CarbonHealth.com and see if you they can get checked out today, either virtually or in person or download the app to have a doc in your pocket they're also focusing really powerfully on the mental health issue stuff and certainly a lot of us have, uh, have dealt with this stuff over the years so if you, you're in one of those places look at carbon health as a possible resource to help you kind of navigate that and get in touch with people who will help you get through those times for sure and I'll give you some great coping tools that you can use carbonhealth.com um, all right, uh, let's start it out here. Mike, you know, I'd love to start with you always. Overall thoughts, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, third installment of the Ant-Man franchise, kicking off phase five. Overall thoughts here on this movie. Go. Oh, oh
2: okay. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a challenging one, as is evidenced by the chat right now, which is reflective of most of geekdom, where people either really were happy about it or they're really, really mad about it. Um, I... I don't. I wouldn't even say I fall in the middle. I think I okay. fell on the. I went in, and Shannon knows this. We all went to dinner Thursday night before the movie, and we thought we were we were kind of like in a bad mood, like just based a on lot. like what a lot of people had said. Right. I was like, I don't know if this is going to be good, guys. I feel like I was excited, and now we're going in, and we all came out, and generally we're pretty happy. Like put this in a solid B B minus kind of category. Yeah. Um. And I was thinking about it a lot since then, and I think it's going to be interesting to talk about the nitty gritty because I think that particularly for me Mm -hmm. after multiverse of madness and Thor love and thunder, which really disappointed. Yeah. Um, and Wakanda forever, which I enjoyed, but thought was a little overstuffed. Okay. I felt like this was like, this is just a solid move. It's in, it's, it's well in the middle of the Marvel movies. Mm -hmm. It's not a great Marvel movie, but after so many Marvel movies that I thought were going to be big and were kind of subpar for me, I left feeling happy. That being said, This movie has a lot of problems. I think where this movie succeeds is that I think everything they tried to do, they mostly succeeded. But they didn't do it 100%.
0: Okay. Enough for your liking is what you're saying. Let's get it across the line for you fully 100%. Yeah.
2: As opposed to like a multiverse or Thor where I think they made some pretty major
0: errors. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Here, everything you're like, I see what you're going for. And I agree with what you're doing. Yeah. I just don't think you maybe all got all the way there all the time. Okay. But overall, I was like, I wouldn't even say I was like thrilled or happy, but I was satisfied.
0: Okay. Would you say that I see you? I see you, quantum mania. I see you. Is that what I you see you,
2: quantum mania. <laughs> I was satisfied with my care.
0: <laughs> Shannon McClung, your thoughts on this one. I know you like to focus on the action sequences and some of the writing. What are your thoughts as you walk out of Ant Man of the Wasp Quantum Mania? I mean, much like Vogel,
3: having been burned a couple of times by Multiverse of Madness and Love and Thunder, um, I just wanted it to be fun. I just mm-hmm. wanted to have a good time. And leading into it, so many of the reviews were kind of meh, and yes, true. So, so the bar was was um, was was lowered, and okay. because of that, I I had a lot of fun. Now, I think all of the issues, or not all of the issues, but I think a lot of the issues, the people bring up I think they're right yeah but ultimately because the bar kind of had been had been lowered and I feel like going into Doctor Strange we thought this was we thought it was going to be Doctor Strange Endgame or yeah. Doctor Strange No Way Home yeah and that's not quite that wasn't what the movie tried to do and like it like I think we were probably a little um a little misled yeah uh and the same with Love and Thunder on the heels of Ragnarok I think we all had such high expectations for this movie and it just didn't quite get there for me okay. um the ant-man movies as we've said have always been like a little after a little after dinner drink right. um and they and they've succeeded now even though they were um introducing kang in this ultimately that's that's what i feel like this one was still right. it was it was a little like oh here you go little ant-man movie right um and it was it was a lot of fun again i think there are a lot of things that they didn't quite execute well i i you know obviously we're going to talk about Modoc. i think mostly Modoc succeeded um uh you know mostly mostly i I, ha- I have my thoughts right um and and some of the casting i'm like ah, yeah i don't know um but overall like i went and saw it again yeah and like this is just a lot of fun um the audience that i saw it with did not agree with me <laughs> the movie finished and it was it was a it was a pin drop moment wow. it's like you it was just a lot of shuffling people getting up i'm like oh okay well this is this is a stark difference from when we saw it on thursday night because people came out of that theater going like i don't know that was a lot better than i was expecting so yeah.
2: Well, even because we like, I we were at the Grove and I went to the bathroom after the movie and I was walking out of the bathroom and these two guys walked in, like clearly friends who saw the movie together. And one of them was like, I had a great time. And his friend looked at him. He goes, that was garbage. <laughs> like it was literally like you were in real time watching the you comment know, thread. Like you were just like, OK, yeah
0: people, uh,
2: yeah, people have strong opinions about this one.
0: Yeah, I felt the same way. I went in. I was really nervous. I went to the screening. I was just like, OK man because you know, i mean i like the first Ant man wasn't the biggest fan of the second ant man and, and he always has he hasn't always been my favorite character but i love paul Rudd, and i really enjoyed the way he used them they used him in end game and what have you i've liked those the usage of him for sure within the larger uh landscape of the mcu but i wasn't sure what was getting out of this and I, you know we've talked about this before i saw the movie all well, the three of us on our shows the idea of using ant-man to kick off a phase seems so odd because that's usually your after dinner mint not your not your appetizer or the thing that you're going to get give you a big taste of what's coming so i just i was just really surprised that they would use it this way and i'll tell you this maybe it didn't 100 accomplish table setting the phase five of the mcu overall but i will say this i really enjoyed it i couldn't believe it i kept waiting to hate it i kept waiting for the stupid moments i kept waiting for stuff that like didn't work for me and for whatever reason this one checked off enough boxes as i was watching the movie that when it was over i was like That was absolutely delightful. And I really liked the two post-credit scenes as well. What they tease with the Council of Kings, what they tease with Victor Timely. I was like, this is great. I'm so into what we're seeing here. So I'm just perplexed or mystified by the same people who told me that Multiverse of Madness is a fucking masterpiece are the same people telling me that this movie sucked. So I'm just confused on so many levels when I look at this thing. And it just goes to show you that they have taken some big swings, and I feel like people are either on board or not on board in very extreme ways this entire calendar year, from Multiverse of Madness to this movie. Every single movie has come out, and people have bitched about Wakanda Forever because they felt they were trying to stuff too much in there. People have about Love and Thunder because they thought it was a betrayal. They were trying to be too yuckity-yuck. People bitch about Multiverse of Madness like we did because it was just like it didn't work. And now people have bitched about this one as well, saying that it just – doesn't it just try to do too much and it fell flat and the visuals were terrible so it's just interesting to see the extremes while other people have defended all four of those movies in separate ways so it's just fascinating that this well, is what happened with the mcu mike you were going to say so yeah well look you're always
2: going to have people who are like your diehard marvel marvel fans who are going to yeah. like every marvel movie and they're going to defend every marvel movie um and then you're going to and then you know like these movies are also wildly different and Mm -hmm. work or don't work for different things. In my opinion, and again, I know not everybody listening right now agrees with this, but I feel like the issue with multiverse of madness and Thor love and thunder more than anything else is it was a little bit of the betrayal of the characters. Mm -hmm. Like I feel like Wanda and I, everyone in the chat can just tell me I'm wrong when you think I'm wrong here, but I don't think that what Wanda, how, where Wanda started in multiverse of madness is justified based on where she ends in WandaVision. Right. Um, Dark Hold aside, I don't think. And so I think that automatically got that movie off to a rough start. And then they yeah. didn't really know what to do with Doctor Strange. And they clearly wanted it to be the Wanda movie. And with Thor Love and Thunder, I just think it was like, there. I love Taika Waititi's humor. Yep. But I think it was humor at expense of actual character and emotion. And when you're trying to tell a story about a character who has cancer and is trying to decide what to do with it, yeah. that doesn't re- work for you. Um, with this movie, I think there I think they put like I think sometimes they felt like they were trying a little too hard for the comedy. Yeah. yeah. I think that there's a little bit of an issue with like defining the world of the quantum realm. Mm. I think there's a lot of things that didn't quite work, yeah. but all the characters were the characters. Yeah. And I think there was something that was comforting to me, even in a movie that doesn't fully work. That Scott felt like Scott, Janet and Hank felt like Janet and Hank, Kang was awesome, Cassie I really enjoyed, and Hope, for the amount that she was in the movie, was fine. Um, So, like, you know, so it was like everybody was, everybody, I felt like I was in the right cinematic universe, even if it wasn't the best adventure in that cinematic universe. Okay,
0: fair. Anything you want to uh, add to that, Shannon, before we jump into a little more of the, the specificity in the review? Yeah, I mean, I think that this was very much an Ant-Man
3: movie. I mean, the the mm. thing that I even missed was some of his supporting cast that yeah. we've come to know over the last two movies. I mean, I really wish Michael Pena would have been there in some capacity. Like, yeah. we we got David uh, Dousma at you know, voicing one of the characters. Yeah, um, but, you know, I miss seeing Judy Greer, even though she and Bobby Cannavale didn't really do a whole lot in Ant-Man and the Wasp. I mean, I like them as as Cassie's other sort of parental unit. Um uh cassie Catherine newton i was not a fan mm. uh like i don't know if it, if it is a Catherine newton issue or if it was a writing issue but the the 30 seconds we had of paul rudd and the other actress in endgame i believe that more than anything that happened <laughs> in quantumania um it just didn't she just for me didn't have the chemistry with the rest of the cast and mm-hmm. and that's not to say that the other actress would have yeah. uh, and again this could come down to the writing but there was just so much with Cassie that I'm like, I don't care. Like I would, I would so much rather have had Luis in here <laughs> in, 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 in the quantum realm. I think that yeah. would have made for a much funnier movie. Now I get that, you know, you want stature, like you want, you want those young Avengers right. setups. Well, but uh, it just her, her participation, her moments with with uh, Darren. I'm like, hmm. eh. Like uh, these are the oh, moments. Cool like man. when I watch it on Disney Plus, that I will either go to the bathroom or I will skip past. It.
2: Well, I think I, I think it's I think it's a writing issue more than an actress issue. I think I think yeah. one of the biggest issues the movie has, uh, and I know we're gonna dive into all this in a minute, but yeah. uh, I don't think it's just oh yay, it's stature. We want to get to Young Avengers. Let's let's cross her off the list. Like the one constant in the Ant Man movies is it's about Scott and his daughter.
0: Yes, his it's love about for like the
2: entire like sure. Scott Scott in the first movie, his entire motivation is wanting to spend time with Cassie. Yeah, Scott in the second movie, his entire motivation is Cassie in Endgame, when he gets out of the quantum realm, the first thing he does is go find Cassie. Like Scott's core relationship, more than Hank, more than Hope, is Cassie. So as much as I love Luis, like I think the choice to make this, the core uh, arc of this movie about Scott and Cassie is the right choice. I think the issue is, uh, and I was talking to some friends about this earlier, um, and again, this is a perfect example of what I'm saying about how right choice, mm. but not fully executed. Yep. Um, typical, like basic storytelling 101. Your main character has has a want. And at the end of the movie, in a successful movie, not only do they get that want, but the world is better. Mm. Perfect example is Back to the Future because it's a perfect movie. Marty McFly wants to go camping wants with Jennifer, wants the cool truck, wants an awesome life. And his family is kind of shitty, goes through this entire adventure, comes to the end. He gets the truck. He gets Jennifer. He gets to do everything. But also his entire family is amazing. So we feel really good as an audience because everything's great. With this movie, you start out and I feel like in the original version of this script, Scott and Cassie's relationship was probably a little bit more fractured. Like she's getting arrested. She's wanting. She's this activist. Scott hasn't really done anything since he saved the world from Thanos um and they sort of say all that so it's all there Mm -hmm. but they're also kind of getting along like there's not any big rift between scott and cassie here like they're all smiling around the dinner table they're having a good time and so then the entire movie goes on and we get so wrapped up in janet and kang and everything that happens that the scott and cassie thread doesn't really go a lot of places so at the end of the movie Mm -hmm. when scott and cassie are fine it, it works, and if you liked the Scott and Cassie arc, you liked what they wanted you to like, yeah. but it would have been so much stronger if they had been in a worse place and this adventure had brought them together. Um, and I feel like they didn't quite get there.
0: Yeah, and I might be in the middle between you guys because I thought Catherine Newton wasn't bad in the film. I think she has this kind of half-smile on her face the whole time that undercuts the stakes of everything that's going on, but she's taking on the kind of mantle of Paul Ru- of of, of her father Scott, in the way she's figuring out how to use her suit, it's very similar to how Scott was trying to figure out how to use his suit in Ant Man One. So there are echoes that you're seeing that are connective tissues between them. And you're right, Mike. The, the the Scott and Cassie relationship is so central to who Scott is. It it is just so essential to have that be a big thing. My problem with the kid with Cassie situation was that I don't think we spent enough time introducing Catherine newton into the mcu i think we needed way more time in san francisco way more time seeing them hanging out them having conversations them connecting for a little bit then we go into the quantum realm we have bought into the relationship a little bit more because this is a new character this is a recasting not that uh, emma Furman was on screen for like hours and we just it's a heartbreak or whatever like we got with terrence howard in in iron man one no, I think this is more a matter of like, just give us a little time with them. Let's see what they got. You know, you throw her immediately in prison. Then you have the back and forth in the car. Then you're at the dinner scene. Boom, you're in the quantum realm. So to me, that was way too fast. And we should have spent a little more time with them having their conversations, having their back and forth, seeing what the issue is. I mean, Hope is the one that shows up to bail her out first, not Scott. And so it's just like these are things that I think we could have seen a little bit more, even having Hope and – um cassie having separate scenes conversations and whatever because they're the ones in cahoots creating the quantum realm thing with hank so i think there should have been more time then we go into the quantum realm and i think that would have paid off i still think at the end you know he's thinking of cassie when all those ant men Mm -hmm. swallow him it's cassie that gets him out of there it's cassie that's constantly in his mind so they stay with that track and for me it does work i just think she She's not she didn't a hundred percent feel like um authentically in, integrated into the MCU world itself. Uh, but I but I counter Shannon. I love the Modoc moments with her. When she told him it's oh. never too late to stop being a dick, that made me laugh so hard because it seemed real, it seemed authentic. And Darren, who oh. could redeem Darren more than the girl, little girl who he scared in the first Ant-Man and almost killed? So it's so much better to have him like atoning for his shit. With the one person that he kind of threatened that was the most def- uh indefensible at the time. So I like dude, that. It, it
2: really is. If this is so it's gonna be such a funny discussion because I yeah. uh, you I agree with everything you said. I just don't think they like like and again, but this is what I mean. Like yeah. Cassie having been like, dude, this dude in a B suit fucking traumatized me when yeah. I was a kid, and then being the one to redeem Modoc at the end is a hundred percent a great choice. Yeah. It is a hundred percent right, it's good. I don't think it 100% worked and I think it's probably like due to the writing. Um so I think it like it, it this is this is basically why to me Quantum Mania comes out stronger. Like I can go through yeah. Thor Love and Thunder and Multiverse of Madness and I'm like I don't like this. I think this was the wrong choice. I think the character wouldn't do this. I think this is wrong. I think this is wrong. And with Quantum Mania, I I think introducing Cassie being in jail when we introduce Scott being in jail I get the, I, I get yeah. it. I love it. Yeah, I, it. I think yeah. that Cassie and the Modoc thing, I think it makes sense. Like every choice they made, yeah, yeah. I think is the right choice. So to me coming out of it, I go, okay, I feel like phase five is getting back on track. Mm-hmm. I feel like these are the right choices. I didn't come out going like no way home. Like, oh shit. Like this wasn't Ragnarok to right, me. Right, right. Like this was, I didn't come out and go, holy shit. That was fucking awesome. <laughs> and I think... Given the choices they made, had they just tweaked them a little bit, pushed them a little bit further, yeah, this yeah. could have been Ragnarok. Oh, it wasn't, but that's why it falls into that BB minus
0: category for me. Yeah, fair enough. I want to hit some of these uh, super chats. Shannon, do you want to add anything more to the Cassie thing? We're going to circle back to it for sure. Um, no, let's get to the super chats. Okay, we get them real quick. Uh, Joe Ramirez says, hey, guys, I had my struggles with the writing. Felt more open to it more the second time around. In both my viewings, I felt more set up in the beginning would have helped suspend disbelief and establish more of a character-driven story. Yeah, this is exactly how I feel. And it was a two-hour and five-minute movie, and 15 of those minutes are are credits. So to me, I think there could have been, there probably was a mandate from Chapek, because it's Iger now, but it was Chapek before, like, two-hour movies, that's it. You know, Multiverse of Madness was two hours, and felt like it could have had 15, 20 minutes extra to explain things a little bit more. So maybe this is a little bit of a, a, they're a victim of this edict that maybe was never broadcast, but maybe quietly talked about, to keep these films at two hours i don't know what do you guys think about this? i mean
3: i i agree with you john i I really agree with you because they get to to the quantum realm super super fast which is what you want like that's the main that's the main crux of your story this is where the movie really takes off but i do think a little more setup would have worked because really we've never seen cassie with hank and janet (laughs) like and like she's calling him grandpa hank all of a sudden he's like scott says can we have a family meeting it's like well wait a minute. <laughs> this is brand new. Like, I think, I think we did need a little bit more of a setup um, because everything with Cassie, especially at the beginning, it just seems very um, obligatory. Like there's mm-hmm. just nothing to it. It's like, let's establish oh, okay. who she is and move
0: on. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah.
3: there's, there was just nothing to any of the relationships. Um, and, and I do think that the underwriting of hope as well affected that too. I mean, And so just a little bit more time, just a little bit of time to let the characters breathe and and like, yes. Okay. Cassie likes science. Hank likes science. Oh, okay. A little bit. I think we need just a little
2: bit more. Yeah. Mike, any thoughts on the setup? I, I, I I agree. And I disagree. Um, (laughs) and here, and here's why, like I, I'll give you, I'll give you a personal story. When I, when I was writing the, my little pony movie, uh, which, which granted my little pony guys, not quite on the Marvel Cinematic Universe level but i um, mean based off some of the previous entries <laughs> there are some universes <laughs> but but one of the things i did cuz it was the first time that i had jumped from tv to writing a, to writing a feature yeah. and in my mind writing these feature scenes for an animated movie like these feature scenes had to be like really long and like you had all this time because you're in this movie uh, and Rita Shao, who I wrote, who I worked on the movie with, who wrote Mulan, nice. uh, was like, why are you writing these scenes so long? Like it's, this scene should be like three or four pages. And I'm like, what are you talking about? That's crazy. Um, uh, and what I learned is it's not about length. It's mm. about choices. So I think what you, what you, what you're saying, John, what he's saying, what everyone's saying, which is the period of time before we go to the quantum realm needed more, yeah. I agree with. I don't know that it needed more time, mm. but I think the choices could have been better. Yeah, maybe. So, you're right. for, yeah. so, so, like, by way of what I mean is that dinner scene or the pizza scene where yeah. they're all having pizza around the dinner table, because there's not really any stakes and there's not a ton of conflict. Like, there's the really funny bit where everyone's like, "Oh, Scott, you saved the world. I had no idea. You yeah. should write a book about it," which was a great line. But like, everyone is kind of getting along, and you compare that to say like the dinner scene in Black Widow. Yeah. where the entire family gets together, but you right. just see the family, like you see all of why this family doesn't work. Right. And if Scott was still upset with Cassie because he was like, you got arrested, but then Hope, who they've established, is using pin Particles to like try and help the people who have been displaced with a blip, was like, well, yeah. I think Cassie's doing a good job. And then Scott's like, well, she's my dog." Like you could have right. really made this a really contentious scene and really established where everybody was as far as their perspective on whatever we needed there as far as what does it mean to be a hero is scott being a hero because everyone goes into the quantum realm and in a lot of ways it's very wizard of oz we see everybody in their world we go to this other world they go on an adventure they meet the evil wizard who is kang and if they had all gone into this adventure and each one of them in their own way Cassie is trying to prove herself, gets to this place where there's a bunch of displaced people, just like in San Francisco, and she wants to help them. Scott is only worried about Cassie and isn't doing the bigger thing. Janet was a freedom fighter, and Hank ends up saving the day with his aunts, and Hope shows up to grab Scott's hand because she didn't have a lot to do. But, like, you know, like, so if this dinner table scene had been used to do all the things that you guys are talking about, that could have worked without adding a ton more time.
0: It's a great point. Like, you introduce conflict. You you introduce a conflicted family with each other. The Quantum Realm brings them together through the adventures, and by the end, they're a better, stronger unit because of what they went through, even though they went into the Quantum Realm kind of at each other's throats. That's that's actually an excellent point, Michael. It could have really worked for sure because Scott may be, like, how, how much longer are they going to give Scott shit for how he started out? Like, he's a good dad, and I think of him, he's like, Look, Hank, you mess with my daughter, like you're teaching a quantum shit behind my back. Hope you're in on this. Like, there's a legitimate well, beef Scott could have in this situation about how they're kind of taking licenses with his daughter and teaching things to her that he's not, he doesn't know about, and is uh, getting uh, caught two steps behind. So, uh, but again,
2: I think, that, but again, it's a, it's about right choices, maybe yeah. not the best execution, because they weren't really harp. Like this movie doesn't harp on Scott being a good dad or not. What this right. movie harps on Scott about which is really interesting is that he was part of let's save the let's yeah. save half of the universe right but he hasn't really done anything since then. He hasn't been a hero yeah he's just been enjoying life and having a good time and his daughter is like, dad, people are not okay right right, right. like there's you things need that more. need to get done yeah. and you're an avenger. Yeah. And you're not a you're not doing anything. And and I feel like as soon as they got to the quantum realm that kind of con- that conflict got dropped. Right. And it was and initially that, there. And, and it's there. So for everyone who's like no they get to the rebels and yeah. Cassie wants to help them and Scott doesn't. You're right. It's there. Again, right choices. Right. But if they had just kept the two of them more at it, I think Shannon would have come out of this movie feeling better about Cassie.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. Joel also says, Joel Ramirez has absolutely loved Cassie's arc. She overcame a fear from her childhood, redeemed him, Modok, inspired her dad to stand up for the little guy again, held her own against Kang. That's a debut for a future young adventure. It is, Joel, but I think Michael's correct here in the fact that all those choices make sense, but by, by the end of the movie, I don't think everybody kind of enjoyed that arc necessarily or that it completely hit the mark by the end of the movie. But if it did for you, shout out to you, Joel. Certainly we're not going to take that away from you, so um let's see atlas kennedy says quantum mania has a higher audience score than both iron man 2 and iron man 3 also thor 1 and 2 i believe people just have a higher expectation after endgame yeah i've read some of the reviews in preparation for this um uh, our spoiler review some of the reviews from my from people i know and then from colleagues that i don't know and Man, some of those knives are real, and fork and knives are really out for this movie, just absolutely tearing it apart. And I, I don't understand the anger and the vitriol, whether insulting the visuals, insulting the story, insulting the characters, insulting the humor. And I just, when you counter, and I, I'm not one of these people that, that creates division between the critics and the audience. I hate that shit. But when you look at the audience score, you're just like, well, I mean, a lot of people seem to be liking this thing, and it made a hundred and twenty million dollars over the weekend, so. Clearly, this thing just is is. It may not a hundred percent work for everybody in the audience, but eighty four percent, eighty six percent, that's pretty good. And people come back and see it over and over again. So
2: Mar- Marvel's uh Marvel's uh worst enemy is Marvel. Marvel was so <laughs> successful. I mean, like we all have this feeling, yeah. and like we like, and I I said this when we saw these movies, like Infinity War and Endgame have no right to be as good as they are. Right. Yeah, no, true. Like they like like they such stuck the landing. They stuck the landing so hard that we we are not comparing phase 4 and phase 5 to phase 1 and phase 2. We're comparing everything to Infinity War and Endgame. Yeah, that being said, like, you know, like uh, Thor 2, you know, you guys saw it without me.
0: Oh boy. Such a great but, uh, such a
2: great movie. <laughs> <laughs> but like
0: Thor Two, one time is not I visited the good... you know in the war, my life's been a living hell ever since. All right, yeah, feel, Thor, yeah,
2: but here's the thing: Thor Two is not a is not a good movie. Mm-hmm. But Thor Two okay. nails the Thor and Loki relationship. Yes, right, hundred percent. Yes, and and the Thor that Thor and Loki relationship is yeah. not there in Thor One, really, mm-hmm. and Thor Two really gets Loki, and that. Has spun off into Ragnarok yeah. and Endgame and the Loki TV series. And with Quantumania, despite all the things that we're talking about and why people don't like it and whether you thought Modoc worked or Modoc didn't work, Yeah. it nailed Kang. Yeah, which we're going to get. I think that's the most important thing.
0: Right. Uh, anything to add on that, Shannon? I mean, you know, Iron Man 2,
3: like I, you know, every I think every movie has its defenders out there. I've never really met an Iron Man 2 defender. I think that one is sort of universe it's universally agreed like eh. <laughs> No,
0: really you? My girlfriend loves it. I don't is know what right? to tell you. She loves Mickey Rourke's character. She wants. She, she walks around the house all the time going, "Where is my bird? Have you seen my bird?" She lo- I can't explain it. I can't. <laughs> but like, you know what goes on at
2: that outlaw house on the weekend.
0: <laughs> she hates Winter Soldier, but she loved Iron Man too. I cannot explain it. Okay, uh, her opinion is to a lot you. of credibility right now. I can't figure it out.
3: <laughs> like Iron Man three, like Iron Man three is a fantastic episode of the Iron Man TV show. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, that's that's a fun, self-contained story. Uh, you know,
1: yeah.
3: when you come out of it, you're like, wow, they really made uh, Iron Man's Joker kind of kind of not great but then you know you have him show up in shang chi and he's really really funny i mean marvel's always been very good at taking as vogel said taking something that worked in a bad movie and then being able to kind of uh harvest that for later and hopefully that's what's going to happen with with quantum mania i mean because no one will disagree that like i imagine at least some some people in the chat May but that jonathan majors kang was was
0: the highlight of the movie yeah yeah which we're gonna get to so let's hit some of these stream labs as well a lou Hu fan donated he said love my geek buddies the movie was better than the previous ant-man movie is more like iron man 2 in furthering the narrative and mcu connections with too many characters i needed way more kang more stature and less of the rebellion characters people clapped in my theater there you go I- that's people clapped in our theater sorry am i good what?
2: people clapped in our theater i i went yeah. uh, the rebellion theater the rebellion characters i wish had been a little bit more than they were Ooh. i think that like again having them having them there but like i would love to have like been a little bit more invested in them than i was aside from like the guy that got the holes he was very happy about his holes
0: are you saying fleshing out the other characters, is that what you're Besides, I just said more. Let's just keep it as more. I'm just throwing it out there. All right. Jim Fan says, I thought mania was solid with an exclamation point. Gave me Iron Man 2 vibes. Wow. A lot of setup for what's to come. Jonathan Majors rules as Kang. Catherine Newton felt like she was just hanging out on set. LOL. Modoc was so funny. At least I died an Avenger. <laughs>
2: That part, I don't think Modok fully worked, but I think that line 1,000% worked. Oh, yeah. I laughed yeah. really hard.
0: <laughs> especially because especially Paul's like, ah, mm, ah sure. Yeah, why, Yeah, why not? Yeah. <laughs> um, the fantastic says, hey, Geek Buddies, I had a great time at Quantumania. Cassie was interesting for me because at nine years old, she wanted to be Ant-Man's sidekick, but now that she's old enough, her dad doesn't want to do it anymore, and she's upset about that. Ooh i hadn't even put it in that framework so interesting what do you guys think i, I really wish went... i, I, I think ahead. that the right i think the writers didn't think of that <laughs>
3: <laughs> i think you're i think you're making a great point that the writers probably forgot about
2: i was gonna say i was like i think that is a great point and i wish somebody <laughs> had said that in quantumania <laughs>
0: <laughs> the, writers, the writers are like oh, this is what i meant this is what I meant um Liz Burns up. What's up? Liz says the parallels between Modoc and Iron Man's death had me cackling like, OK, well, you've been a dick the whole time, but you did die to save us. So I guess you're a hero chef's kiss. But between that and themes of the powerless uniting to overthrow the powerful, the film was an A plus for me. Wow. All right, Liz. Yeah, I mean, interesting stuff with Modoc for sure. We're not going to get into it just yet, but certainly the whole thing that he died a hero um, redeeming him, which, you know, everybody at the Disney matter, they love that redemption thing. The themes of the powerless uniting to overthrow the powerful. Film. Remember there's a moment there where Hank is talking about socialism in a Marvel movie and uh, you know, uh, <laughs> Janet's or hope rather is the one that sh- shuts him down, uh, which is, you can look at that real world, interesting dynamic there between those two actors. But certainly that moment is interesting talking about the answer would have you. So, yeah. The idea of throwing over the palace or throwing over the powerful rather. Uh, that was interesting too. Yeah. I mean, it was a great line delivery by Michael Douglas. Like, yeah. I know socialism is a charged word. <laughs> <laughs> <That's> a- <laughs> great, yeah, great, di- great line of dialogue. <laughs> uh, disgruntled MCU fan says I'm just done with the humor in the MCU. It's not funny. Their humor is basically what you'll see in a Jurassic world or Michael Bay transforms. How fucking dare you? And if they continue to put out below-average movies, then the MCU is becoming like those franchises. Well, I don't know, because if the box office is constantly there for these movies, who's right and who's wrong? I don't know. Well, uh, as we've
2: said, as we've argued a thousand, like, yeah. box office is not always an indication of quality. it nope, never has been. Uh, but I do think that Marvel's... I think Marvel's comedic tone, on the whole, yeah, I like. Okay. I don't disagree that I felt a lot of the comedy in this movie felt like it was trying a little harder than yeah. other Marvel movies do.
0: Okay. Okay. Um, Jay West says with the mixed reviews, should we all be concerned that the writer of this movie is the writer for Avengers Kang dynasty? Yeah, this is a Rick and Morty <laughs> writer yet another Rick and Morty writer. Um, I, here's the thing that I'll bring up and I, and you guys can counter me on it. I'm fully open to it, but like, I feel a disturbing pattern amongst these Rick and Morty writers that the woman is constantly the issue. Like, um, in Loki, it was uh, Sylvie who ignores Loki and kills Kang anyway. In Multiverse of Madness, it is Wanda who messes everything up. And in this movie, it's Cassie who creates the fucking Quantum Realm thing that starts all this. And it's Hope who's been lying to everybody, or not lying, but hiding. Janet. Janet, sorry. Janet who's been hiding the stuff about Kang, which almost well allows him to come to power. So I just feel that there's a disturbing trend here developing with with these writers as they're constantly. Now, I may be off base, but that's what I'm thinking. Uh, what do you guys think about this writer here and this uh, idea for Avengers, him writing Avengers Kang Dynasty?
3: So to your point I don't necessarily see that because okay. with Cassie it wasn't just Cassie like it was Cassie and Hank and Hope I mean they were all kind of they were all kind of in on it together they were they were encouraging her and, and furthering yeah. her along. Right. Um the Janet thing again that was set up prior that was set up in phase three that that well, she was the really. one not that she was well, with king well no but that she was the one in the quantum realm and if right, you're going to sure. go back to the quantum realm you're going to talk to the person who was there before right, right um in terms of him being the writer of Kang dynasty I, you know i think the writers do get a lot of flack um that's not to say that you know they're they're all innocent but uh, i mean and, and the same thing with michael waldron um mm they they're not writing whatever they want to (laughs) write like there there is an entire creative team that they are reporting to like Mm -hmm. they're reporting to kevin feige they're reporting to victoria alonso they're reporting to brad winterbaum i mean there's all these people that have a say so i mean ultimately is it the writer or is it just the direction of the story in general, I mean, yeah, yeah. and, and, and also hard. the directors weighing in too. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. True. It's hard to say because if I if I were to guess, and I have no information about this one way or the other, right. I bet the original version of this script, Scott and Cassie had a lot more conflict at the beginning. Mm um that's clearly sure. what was there like that's clearly what they were going for and you know you can just see executives and other people and directors whether, whether it's peyton reed or victoria or kevin feige or whoever yeah are yeah. like oh let's just you know we should make everybody a little bit more likable let's do this let's do that like right like yeah. these scripts go through so many drafts and ultimately the director gets to really shape what they want to shape so it's hard to say yeah um I feel better... Like I said, I think the choices here are right.
0: Yeah.
2: So, I feel good. Like, I came out of this movie feeling like I'm back on track and I know where we're headed. And, okay, I got it. Now, as far as the humor and the execution and did everything land, a little bit concerned. Like, look, the Russo brothers... They were great. Like, the Russo brothers came out of the gate swinging and never let us down once. And so it was like, when they were doing those, it was in good hands. This, we'll see. I think, I think like, in general, we're all a little bit nervous. I think Quantum Mania for a lot of people, not everybody, for a lot of people made us feel like we're getting back on, okay, I'm back on the train. I'm excited. That yeah. post-credit sequence got me on board. Like, let's go. But we're still a little bit gun-shy.
0: Yeah, let's not uh, leave out Marcus and McFeely who do an excellent job writing. Writing, of course. yeah, sorry. Of course, the, yeah. that
2: that team, the Russo brothers and Marcus and McFeely as a whole, sort of just like drove us, drove yeah. us through. The, the, yeah, the
0: bar I mean, that is
3: was,
2: pretty high. Yeah. yeah, and that was
0: four movies they did. That was yeah, like yeah, exactly. the, the last two caps, the last two Avengers. Yeah, yeah, which really leaves a, an interesting taste in your mouth when you're looking at these other films. Uh, Francisco Lopez says, "I think the film is okay. I like the main characters and the second and third act, but don't care for the quantum people." The first act is weak, and they ruined MODOK. All right, there you go. Strong opinions from Francisco Lopez, and I respect that because a lot of people feel this way. A lot of the critics, or half the critics at least, feel this way. Mod- and we'll take a break a little in just a second here. Motossom says, writer of Quantumania is writing King Dynasty, and writer of Doctor Strange 2 is writing Secret Wars. Are you worried about that? I think we addressed that uh, for the most part here moda awesome but thank you for sending that in for sure uh joe ramirez says lack of identity slash rule science of qr of quantum realm didn't suspend the disbelief slash have audiences fully invested more character scenes at the beginning maybe takes the load off for execution later in the film yeah mike and shannon you both constructed scripts you both worked on overall seasons do you Agree with the Joel, What Joel is saying in essence, or do you think they did do a I do. good job? Just didn't one hundred percent.
2: I think we're Joel. I think Joel's. right. I mean, we talked a little bit about yeah. uh, about the first act and like and the and the character scenes at the beginning, but I I love that the quantum realm is weird as fuck. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I do feel like maybe had we gotten a little bit more of the sense of the geography in the world in the quantum realm. Like, like you could have just—I—I I don't have any sense. Like, like Hank and Janet and Hope could have been walking around in any single scene with a giant cloud sucking up light and lightning yeah. bolts. Like, I—and there was rocks floating. Like, everything kind of was a little bit of the same. And so, I think you could have like really made a map of like, okay, here's Kang's little empire. Right. Here's the outskirts. Here's where the rebels are. And gave us a little bit more sense. Mm of geography that might've helped. Um, I don't think that was the worst thing. I don't think it ruined the movie. I don't think it was a disaster. I think the quantum realm looks really cool. Yeah, but know. again, it's that same thing of like, I think if we spent a little bit more time fleshing out the specifics of things here, it yeah. would have been good for us.
3: Okay. Jenny. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I mean, fully agree that okay. uh, as, I think one of the things great, one of the great things about the quantum realm is how awesome it looks. Like yeah. for me, I like I thought the design was great. Yeah. Again, coming off Lo- Love and Thunder and the kind of wishy-washy effects that they had, I'm like, this looks fantastic. Yeah, Could some rules help and and kind of better clarify some things. Yeah, and yeah. and and as Vogel said, giving our giving our quantum people uh, a, a little bit more a, a little bit more of an identity would have helped. I mean, uh, other than David Desmalchian, who as the whole man was fantastic. Right. Um. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I think all that stuff at the beginning, yeah, it would have helped.
0: I mean, look at that. That's a fucking yeah.
2: beautiful. No, no. It, again, it's the, I have no, I have no, um, uh, complaints okay. about the quality of the effects. Right, right, right. Uh, it's not that you can't, you can pull up any single shot from Quantum Mania and I'll be like, right. yeah, that looks gorgeous. It's really cool looking. It's more like you, you need to create some rules in your mind. Like, like, are parts of the quant, like, are, like, like, for example, are parts of the quantum realm, more destroyed because of what Kang did to sort of get everybody under control so where the rebels are things are floating everywhere and it's just a disaster and they're just making the place they can and they have to hop from rock to rock whereas Kang's is a more secure like like there's just ways that you can even subtly create a story with the visuals you're telling and because the quantum realm is so kind of amorphous yeah um I think that I, I think that it kind of contributes to the the for the people that kind of felt like this was just a marvel mishmash i think that's one of the reasons that it kind of feels that way for them
0: yeah fair and i think you addressed francisco lopez's comment here. see another thing is do people really understand what is a quantum realm because i also have a hard time explaining himself what it myself what it is it's a microverse time machine or a way to travel the multiverse but I, I think all they, of those yeah exactly and i think they purposely left it amorphous so that they can use it for what they need to use it for when they need to use it. Uh, and they don't want to explain the rules fully so that you can conceive of the quantum realm. Because I think one of the things about the quantum realm is you constantly are blown away by what it can do and what's in it and the marvel of it all, to use a pun there, but also the power of it. And so if you leave it amorphous, you can use it as a thing you uh, to further along a story or to if you want to. Um, uh, come back to it in some way to further the overall uh, point you're trying to make of your of your uh, unit or of your phase there it can do that so yeah Um, All right. Let's see. Francisco says, uh, I hope I'm wrong, but I don't think the saga will land well. We'll see, Francisco. We've got a.
2: I think a lot of people are worried about that.
0: (laughs) I think that's a fair point as well. Um, All right. Let's take a quick break. We got 315 of you watching right now. Thanks so much for joining us on this President's Day holiday. Please hit a like on this video. More than anything else, subscribe to the channel down below. You know, I've made a goal this year for us to get to fifty thousand subscribers by December 31st of 2023. It's a crazy goal, but hey, if the microverse, or the multi, or the quantum realm can exist, so can that, for God's sakes. So, if you haven't subscribed, please subscribe as we go to this break here, and we're gonna jump into Kang right after this. see i know that one i wish you'd done that one for how to train your dragon a little better then i wouldn't have been embarrassed on our previous show i couldn't catch it quite as good as you were doing that
3: one uh i i i don't think my i don't think my humming changes the quality of your ears
0: half-minute blames his tools uh, all right <laughs> and this, let's, let's, uh, let's move on to kang i mean we've got to talk about jonathan majors everyone was talking about jonathan majors after this movie and his portrayal of kang such a powerful introduction to this character of course we saw jonathan majors as he who remains there at the end of season one of loki but getting him getting dialed into him and all he's doing in this movie the interactions with scott everything in terms of the power that he controls in this movie and even possibly a little hint what some people are talking about of a dalliance possibly with with uh janet that's something that people were throwing around on the internet today which i kind of uh i kind of checked the box on that 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 might have happened but Listen, what if, what if, if you're she... stuck in
2: the quantum realm with Michelle Pfeiffer, you're absolutely hooking up with Michelle Pfeiffer. Right? Like, this is like, come on. Like or Jonathan Majors. Fun. You can take that either way. Take two super hot people and yeah. have them spend months building some scientific device together.
0: Yeah, look up. I mean, they're going to hook
3: up. That's for sure. But well, and prior to that, she hooked up with Bill Murray. <laughs> so,
2: right. If yeah, you're going to see- hook so- up with Bill Murray, you're definitely <laughs> <laughs> hooking up with Jonathan Majors.
0: <laughs> yeah. You know shit. I saw someone. Say, I mean, it's like the, the pickets are kind of slim down there. So you you know you take what you can to meet your needs. Ain't nothing Listen, wrong with that. Some uh, people great. love broccoli. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, and you don't want to hook up with the dude who can read your mind. That's just a bad situation all around. Um. All right, let's jump into this thing with Kang here. Uh, Shannon, I'll go to you first. I went to Mike first on the overall thoughts here. Kang, Jonathan Majors, what an incredible actor coming in to take this uh, iconic character, Kang the Conqueror in essence, and what did you think about how he handled this character, how he drove the narrative here as the antagonist? We didn't see him until a little bit later in the movie, uh, and then once we saw him, he started taking off here and controlling the narrative all the way to the end where a bunch of ants ended up subduing him, and he got sent even further back in the quantum realm, kind of like uh, Darren did at the end of Ant-Man 1. So what did you think of uh, Kang in the movie?
3: Uh,
0: you know, this was the highlight of the film. I okay. mean, it, re- it really, really
3: was. And it, it is 99.9% the performance of Jonathan Majors. Mm. I mean the the way that we are introduced to him at the very beginning the sort of lost explorer you watch the flashback of him and janet together and how you get the sense like oh my gosh these are you know these are friends these are partners they're you know they're trying to accomplish they're trying to accomplish this thing and the moment that he realizes that janet has seen into his mind that she's seen his thoughts his past The sadness in his fit, and maybe not even sadness, more just the ah shit. Now we got to deal with this. um It was fantastic. Like everything, every Jonathan Majors. I I, you said it as you said it better, John. But to Mm. to steal a phrase from you, he acts in between the lines.
0: Yeah, yep.
3: And every expression that he has, like every moment that he that that he is on screen, he's one of those actors that you just see the gears. Constantly turning, especially as Kang, like this is this is this is a genius. This is someone who is always always thinking, who is always yeah. planning that next move. Partly because, as he is, as he says many times in the movie, I know how it ends. I know how it ends. Right. Um. Even the moment where he gets his suit back and and she asks him, "What do you want to do?" And he said, "When?" I mean, the the casual nature uh, that he has through the majority of the movie, I love. Like he's yeah. just such an interesting um, um, fascinating antagonist like he was just such a great bad guy and that moment where I mean I again I think the marketing kind of led the audience to believe like oh he's going to give Scott a chance to go back and relive uh, some moments with mm. Cassie right. and that's not what it is that's not what it is at all like that's not what he's getting He's like I'm going to kill your daughter in front of you and then I'm going to make you relive it again and again and again, if you don't give me this thing. I mean, it's, he's not a mustache twirly villain. He's just very matter of fact, like this is the situation. Do we have a deal?
0: Yeah.
3: And the moment where he says you're out of your league, Ant-Man, you just believe every, every single word of it. Um, he was just a, he was just a pleasure to watch. Um, and then you know, going to like the variants at the end, like getting to see the fun mm. that he's going to have. Um, I, I think the variants at the end, he may have gone a little broad with some of them, but I think you know, once uh, Dustin Daniel Creton gets to work with him, I think they'll probably. tame. I mean, uh, take those that-
0: look pretty broad to me, Shannon. I don't know if he necessarily <laughs> went that broad without motivation. So. <laughs> <laughs> but he was just—I mean—he was just
3: such such a blast to yeah. watch. I mean, this is this is really the year of uh, the year of Jonathan majors and having been lucky enough to see one of his other big performances coming up. I mean, right.
0: he's just, he's, he's amazing. Yeah. We saw Creed three. You're absolutely right. Michael, your thoughts on Jonathan majors and how Kang was used in the story of the movie. Cause I see a lot of people complaining that they kind of made him easy to subdue by the end and kind of undercut the power of Kang as an antagonist or a villain in this film, but he had subjugated the entire quantum realm. He had become a conqueror and created a machine here and an army. They were ready to march uh, into the next, into the uh, universe there and take over the uh, earth prime there. So what did you think about uh, how Kang was used and how Jonathan majors uh, portrayed him in the movie?
2: I'm just still, I'm just still trying to recover from the fact that you two saw Creed three. Oh
0: yeah. Well, listen, there was a thing. Oh, not this again. Not this again. Just, Go uh, ahead,
2: guess. Sounds like... Well, I wasn't aware that uh, two-thirds of the Geek Buddies got to see uh, Creed 3 a little early and uh, just kind of still recovering from that. Kind of much like Joel on Last of Us. I'm reliving the Thor 2 trauma, but now reliving it through the Creed 3 of it all. So...
0: I don't know what you're talking about. Anyway, uh-huh. let's
2: move on. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> um... <laughs> I look. I think. I think Jonathan Majors killed it. I think. John. I think this is a great example of the actor in the role actually yeah. made the role work better than some of the writing. Because I think people's mm. complaints about the end of this movie and Kang sort of getting uh, subdued a little too easy for Kang. Now, look. On the one hand, Kang's major ability, which is his ability to sort of control time. I mean, go back and watch the scene with He Who Remains and how he's shifting around as yeah. as Sylvie. And uh, Loki, you're trying to deal with him. And Kang in the Quantum Realm can't do that because he was put there specifically, so he couldn't do that. (laughs) So on the one hand, he is a little bit handicapped, but he's clearly built an empire. He's done his thing. I think that maybe had they made the way that Scott defeated him at the end a little bit more clever, I think a lot of those complaints would have gone away. That being said, I think Shannon's 100% right. I think that he has a quiet menace yeah. that for the majority of the movie that really just speaks to the fact that he really believes he's the most powerful person in the room yeah. um, and that he feels like he's the most powerful person in the room. And so I really liked how he played it. I loved how different this Kang was from He Who Remains – Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the menace that he represents was really powerful. Like I think, and I, I think we said this early on when we were talking about the quantumania trailers, that the biggest thing this movie needed to get right was Kang. Yeah. And I think in that respect, the movie definitely wins, which is why I think for me and for people who are on the bigger MCU train, yeah. uh, this movie ends up being a win because it really gets us like, okay, I see a clear path to the Kang dynasty now because this guy is an absolute badass. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and that's the thing. People are getting caught up with this particular Kang in this particular movie. And the truth is, as we saw in that post- or mid credit scene, we are going to see multiple versions of this Kang that has been around for multiple well, centuries in different universes, different Kangs, different uh, conquerors, so to speak. And Jonathan Majors is going to play them all. And that's going be, gonna to be a gift for everybody in the MCU as you're watching a man of immense talent take on these different portrayals. Yeah, Mike. But I do those.
2: wonder yeah. if this Kang is ultimately our big bad Kang.
0: Uh, maybe. I, think, I think so. We didn't see this Kang die. And as Feige has said many, many times, that there's no body, there's no death. So may find a way back out of that quantum realm uh, because in way. And it, it In the, the comics, Kang. they wanted to kick out. So clearly yeah, he's the Kang. This, Kang. Is, yeah,
2: this is the Kang that the rest of the Kangs were like, you are so bad, we're putting you in the quantum realm. Yeah. <laughs> and well, that, that says I do believe in the comics, it's like the main Kang who ends up taking out the Council of Kangs, yeah, ultimately. Yeah. So I do think that like there's, and I've even seen online people conjecturing yeah. that Kang Prime ultimately becomes he who must he who remains. Yeah. Don't know if that's true or not, but like I do think that. it's the same problem as the multiverse in general. If we have too many Kangs and every movie is a new Kang and that we have to, okay, well, this isn't this Kang, this is this Kang, it actually becomes a little bit less satisfying. Whereas if this Kang who got thrown out by all the other Kangs is like, I'm going to fucking kill all those kang's because right. they kicked me out but i'm also going to kill all the avengers because like i'm going to be the main kang that gives us a very clear villain in a world of kang's yeah. um for us to sort of latch on to
0: he can do it absolutely I he can agree. do it yes we oh. can <laughs> that was from my shannon mcclaw yes thank you thank you i'll take the bow on that yeah look uh, it's always uh, i saw someone tweet about oh it's a shame that one of the great one of our great actors, Jonathan Majors, is stuck in a Marvel uh, film for the next ten years, or stuck to him. And I like, mean, you're all fucking insane. There are phenomenal actors in the MCU. Benedict Cumberbatch. There are just so Michelle Pfeiffer, as she showed in this movie, which we'll get to. There are so many great actors in the MCU. That's why it works because you're watching phenomenal actors bring incredible levels to these characters and to the work that they're doing in their in, in interpersonal relationships within the characters in the movie, in their solo movies, in their journeys, in their uh, escapades, all of it is there. And they really sink deep into you. So that this is a gift that we're going to get Jonathan majors in a much more fleshed out role. Thanos, Josh was like, you know, he only had a couple movies. And he did his thing and it was great. But Jonathan majors is going to have a lot of space to do what he's going to do. And as Shannon pointed out, this is the thing I like to say about him. He acts in between the lines. And by that I mean he isn't going to deliver the line delivery that you expect him to. And he's going to deliver the line delivery that's going to throw you off a little bit. And any other actor trying to deliver the line delivery that way is going to be terrible at it and transparent. He is going to be natural. Those are iconic actors that can, that are able to adjust delivery in certain ways, able to take pauses in certain ways, able to go inflect certain words in certain lines in certain ways, that really convey this is a three-dimensional character that is in front of you, and you are involved in that person. And he did an incredible job throughout the movie. I like the way they use Kang in the film. I enjoyed him being the antagonist. I enjoyed Scott and him going at it. He was brutal when he knew it needed to be. He literally yanked Cassie upside down and slammed her into the thing. You saw Scott get slammed into the, into the um, wall of the prison. So he was brutal when he needed to be. And just like any conqueror, he does not need to use his power all the time. Just when called upon, and when Modoc dared to speak and in interrupt him, he almost choked him to death right in front of everybody, kind of like Vader with the little uh, little uh, force user there that he does when he choked, which is impressive on. because Modoc
2: doesn't have a neck. <laughs>
0: That's a good point. So, wherever he was choking, he was choking him pretty hard. So, yeah, I liked the way it was used, I thought it was really well. Really, and the interactions with him and Michelle Pfeiffer, just two wonderful actors going at two pros delivering. Fantastic. There were so much levels to those flashbacks and their interactions and their conversations and the looks on their faces. Like when he say when he saves her and he's like, What is this place? And you see them like building this thing, building a ship, the connection that they have, all of it is there. So that when he sees her again, all those levels are there. Just so bubbling there under the surface between them. The tension, the drama, the possibility that they slept together. All of it is there in their interactions and the true hurt that she betrayed him the true hurt because i think he means what he said i think he probably would have left her alive maybe destroyed the whole universe that she lives in but she wouldn't have passed he would have kept her there by his side and so you see all of the pain that finally he thought he had a partner in in eternity and it didn't really work out for him so there's all of that that was bubbling there i loved um Derek johnson says um oh let me bring it up here he says always love the show guys love the ant-man i'm still excited to see where the mcu goes there was some slip ups." But hey, they've earned my loyalty for a long time, even with some mess ups. Yeah. Anything? Yeah.
2: I mean, that's kind of that's kind of where I'm at too. Like I'm like, I I don't think if I went to see this movie on its own in a vacuum and was like this is the beginning of a brand new thing, I would be like, Oh, it's a little messy. But for given where we've been in some of the movies in phase four, yeah. I'm 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 like, all right, I feel I feel better. I don't feel amazing, but I feel better.
3: Fair. And and you imagine um, the folks at Marvel are aware that things did not turn out quite the way they wanted so the idea that they are going to perhaps space some things out and and not try to you know just bowl the audience over with content like you know we all want more Marvel stuff until you until you get it and not everything quite checks all the boxes like okay maybe we dial back let's
0: dial back a little bit and really focus on the things that we're putting out I'm sure Iger had a meeting. He was like, guys, let's have an honest meeting right here, right now about all this. I mean, let's slow it down. You know, I'm sure Iger put his fist down. Cooley high says, what's up, my geek family. What's up, Cooley high. Always great to see you, brother. Hope you're doing well, man. I've been seeing your tweets, sending you love and support, man. I hope you're doing well. He said, man, I had a lot of fun with the movie. I thought it was fire fam. I don't know what the critics were watching. The final fight between Scott and Kang was a brutal y'all be easy. Yeah. That fight between Scott and Kang and then Hank in with the." With the uh, ants, like, uh, what are you guys' thoughts about the how the way Kang was subdued and how that whole final fight went down? Uh, you both with uh, with Janet and with Scott there at the end. I mean,
3: Kang being so dismissive of Ant Man and then being beaten by ants, you know, is <laughs> you know that poetic justice.
0: <laughs> you talk to ants,
3: <laughs> but then by the end, when you see like he 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 loses the, the powers of his suit. And you see just how physically, like yeah, he is just a guy, yeah. but you see physically he is very, very capable and really kind of you know rings rings Scott's bell more than once oh. and would have won had had Hope Hope not showed up at the end. Yeah, I thought I thought that was a lot of fun. I mean, I like the fact that uh in an ant-man movie which are generally there's there's quite a bit of levity that you did get this sense of like oh my god are they gonna kill scott like like no no you're not gonna kill ant-man and in in an ant-man movie um but like to have that to have that threat i was like yeah this is great i mean this is this is putting stakes putting stakes into the world and also um reminding us of why kang is going to be such a great
0: bad guy yeah, I mean, uh, Mike Scott uh, Kang was working out and we've seen those pictures of Jonathan Majors both for Creed and for this film and so when he is launching those foot stomps on Scott's face, it gets super brutal. He's like, could, "You could have gone back with your daughter. You could have done this. And now I must kill you." So, um, I thought the ending had the proper amount of brutality and tension. What did you think?
2: Um, sure. I okay. I I mean, I liked their fight. I think that it's, it's kind of like what I was saying about the quantum realm, but like mm-hmm. shrunk down. I think that I needed what? more geography to the fight. I uh, see, so yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I needed more geography to the fight. I mean, you okay. think about like, I mean, Star Wars is always what comes to mind. Like, hey... Everybody on Endor has to shut down the shield generator. And once they shut down the shield generator, then Lando and everybody can fly into the Death Star and they need to go here. But like they're like Star Wars always did such a good job of going. Here's exactly what every group needs to do. Yeah. And this was just a whole lot of people running around. And I liked a lot of the moments. But Cassie is just sort of running around and MODOK is chasing after her. And then Scott's over here with his giant Captain America shield. And the Rebels are here. And Janet's here. Like, like if if, if you had had a little bit more of the Rebels need to do this, so Cassie's going to do this. And then so Scott's going to do this because he's going to help Cassie. And then when everything's at their worst, Hank, like, like, again, all the pieces I like. Yeah. It's just... I feel like you could have assembled them a little bit better, and then it would have just had a much more satisfying feel. Like everything kind of broadly worked for me, so I'm sitting yeah. in the theater, I'm like, all oh, right, yeah, that's fun. But I didn't have that. Yeah, I mean, another great example is, I mean, when you watch what the Russo brothers did in, in that in the airport fight in Civil War. Mm and how every single moment that, like every character gets a moment with another character. You have a great Cap Spidey moment here. You got Spidey and Falcon and Winter Soldier here. You've got a yeah. Wanda and Vision moment here. Like everybody gets these moments and you can track this whole fight. And I didn't really get that sense. It was just a bunch of stuff happening. But to your yeah. point, once it got down to Scott and Kang mano Imano, it was really, really strong And I thought it was good, but to people's complaints, Mm -hmm. I think that Scott needed to beat Kang with cleverness because he was never going to beat him any other way. And he kind of just got his shot and threw a bunch of pin particles at him. And you're like, okay, cool. Like that, that totally works. But if, if there had been a little bit more of like Scott being the wisecracky Scott Lang, that. Uh that that somehow got under Kang's skin in a way that Kang wasn't expecting, I think it would have been more satisfying.
0: It's <laughs> yeah, not a fair point. A little dance off, maybe. Um Dan Burns says, uh, Dan Burns up to add to what we're talking about here. He says, How did you feel about the movies Kang versus Loki's He Who Remains? I prefer him and Loki because I prefer his scene chewing personally, and I like that he's omniscient. I like that he's this omniscient monologuing villain. But my wife hates um uh how that was done and thinks kang has more kang in, in ant man has more of an actual character thank you what do you think i think
2: they complement each other mm, to be honest i mean comment. i think that they both yeah. work really what's really interesting is what kang says he wants in ant man and Quantumania is yes. what he who must he who remains does right like kang yes. kang wants to get rid of all the kangs And rule the timeline and make sure that there's no other Kangs. And that's what he who remains has done when we get to he's like, I got rid of all the Kangs and I've been maintaining this timeline and kind of running everything from this castle um, to make sure that no other Kangs show up now. He who remains might be a little bit more benign about it and this Kang from Quantumania might be a little bit more of a conqueror about it right. but ultimately end goal is the same which I think is really interesting and I just love they they're both equally as powerful but with two completely different uh uh centers of power mm-hmm. like yeah. Kang like Kang from Quantumania is just this like very sturdy confident almost quiet like I don't need to talk a lot because I can do whatever I want. I'm a fucking badass. And he who remains is literally at the opposite end of that as I'm jittery and I'm doing whatever, but I don't really care. And I don't really care what you think of me because I'm more powerful than everybody. And it's just two extremes.
0: Yeah, fair point. Emez um, says, hey guys, I'm with Roka, the first act needed one extra parent kid scene with Scott and Cassie and one with Janet and Hope before the dinner scene. Loved the movie overall, but felt like a studio edit to keep within a certain runtime. Well, certainly those fair. are comments that have been made for sure um uh mrz says the ending where where cassie quickly figures out how to locate hope and scott and reopen the portal could have been a perfect point to showcase Ka, to showcase cassie and hank's budding science relationship if they worked on it together it felt rushed and illogical the way it was i don't disagree to be honest with you
2: yes yeah. <laughs> yeah. that is correct uh-huh because we went well, through this whole
0: thing where they felt like okay we've sacrificed ourselves we're going to rule the quantum realm together uh, and uh, figure this out and figure out maybe one day how to get back. And the cast is like, boop, boop, boop. all right, here's a portal. Let's go ladies and gentlemen. And so, yeah, it's something with her and gank figuring out how to get into there, I think is an excellent point. Yeah.
3: Yeah. The kind of weak fake out of mm. Scott and hope are now Scott and hope are now in the quantum realm. And you get one shot of Cassie. Typing. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, Oh, okay. No, just kidding.
0: <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> we're good. We're good. <laughs> Um, Let me rip through these real quick, and uh, let's answer quickly as much as we can. We have 324 people who are joining us right now. Please hit a like on this video. Subscribe to the channel right now and hit that bell button. Uh, And if you're watching later, hit a like, subscribe, and leave a comment if you wouldn't mind about anything we might have missed or anything you wanted us to talk about. But here, let's hit these real quick. All right, Christina B says, I think Ant-Man 3 Review suffered from a streak of bad writing of Phase 4 movies. People are a little burned out by the downgrade in quality. You guys think that's true? Well, absolutely. Okay
2: all right i i think i think if everything leading up to phase five's launch had been just like a bunch of no way homes quantum mania would have been a little bit of a dip But would have been like oh it was fun but i think that because people have been burned a few times we're just really kind of like guys give us another win
0: yeah fair point it's says uh i don't care about the filmmaking techniques all i want to know in the end is were you entertained (laughs) i was (laughs) yeah, yeah, I yeah by the by the end you know we
3: we our group at least our group was laughing we were we were talking about our favorite moments um but yeah when you sit down to it and be like you know okay could this have, could this have been better
0: yeah. it's the difference between a good movie and a great movie good point uh jed uh jed Lowen or jed Lowen says i wish they left scott and hope in the quantum room only to bring them back in the last avengers movies it can be tragic but hopeful at the same time not a bad point but it would have repeated him staying in the quantum realm and then being saved to go and end game and save everything would that have felt like the same beat over again? What do you guys think about this?
3: Well, yeah, not just him, but Janet as well. Ah, right. <laughs> I think Fair people point. are always getting stuck in the quantum
0: <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I just
2: think that, I, like, a part of me, I don't disagree, a part of me would have been perfectly happy for them to get stuck in the quantum realm and he made a sacrifice for Cassie, and that feels like it really works for his character, but we've kind of been there and done that, so, yeah. you know, if we waited until the last Avengers movie and everybody hopped out and he brought the old Rebels with him, it would have kind of been what Endgame was.
0: Right, which a lot of people, a lot of uh, reviewers are criticizing the film that there were too many here come the cavalry moments in this movie. Uh, and so maybe, uh, maybe it would have even reaffirmed that even more. That criticism Bosco says, Bosco, what the hell? Ant Man and his family can't be worse, can't be the worst part of an Ant Man movie. Jonathan Major saved this movie and don't get me started on Janet's writing. Woof, really.
2: I do think, I mean, look, I, and I think Jonathan Majors is amazing and I love that we got a really good Kang and I'm glad yeah. that Kang is something we're excited about. But I do think that you kind of want to come out and really care more about the Scott and Cassie relationship mm. than you do about the villain and what he's doing. And so I think that, there, you know, it, it, we're the inverse. Marvel used to be critiqued for having like weak villains. Yeah. And now I kind of feel like this villain is a little bit so much that he's overshadowing everything else. <laughs>
0: You've overcorrected basically.
3: Kevin Feige's pulling what little Harry has left out. Which do you want, guys? Yeah.
0: <laughs> you fuckers are never satisfied. <laughs> I'm going to do Star Wars. Christina B says movie needs Luis and X, ex- then the X cons with a Wong cameo. Don't care if it doesn't fit, they can get Boba together. <laughs> I mean,
3: I I, I I, felt the sting of Luis not being in this movie, yeah.
0: 100%. Throw in Madison with a Y, not where you think it is. I think that would have worked as well, I imagine, right? Um, Joel says, the thoughts on the writing duo of Jeff Loveness and Waldron, or are the movies more on the directors? I'm hoping Destin, Daniel Cretton, can bring a feel of suspended disbelief, character-driven stories of ethos uh, slash logos in um, Avengers 5. What do you guys think?
2: I mean, uh, general, general Hollywood logic is TV is more the writers drive the medium mm. than the directors and film, the directors drive the medium more than the writers. So if Marvel works in the way that most movies work, yeah, the director has more to do at the end of the day in getting to shape what the movie ends up being than the writer does. Now, that may or may not be true, but that's that's the common way it seems to work most of the time in Hollywood.
0: Um all right it's uh, let's take a quick break and then we'll jump into the next thing that we want to talk about or at least I want to talk about and that's Modoc right after this.
3: Do 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 do
0: do I like it I like it. Um, and I want to jump our conversation. I want to use uh, the springboard of a Streamlab to start our conversation with this. Mez says Do you guys think that the reception of Modoc differs on whether there was any prior understanding about the character in other mediums? The running Darren joke seemed like it meshed, like, oh, the running Darren joke seemed like it meshed with Cross's character arc in Ant-Man with the loser archetype of Modoc. What do you guys think? I, I I I loved it. I really did. I loved every time people were like, Darren, what the fuck? I, I love that. And the whole dick moment with him and Cassie, as I said earlier, I really enjoyed. It. I mean, I love Corey Stoll as an actor, period. Like, period. So seeing him bring that weird, and the face being all weird and disjointed, and like all of it just 100% worked for me. The little legs thing with him being surprised about having little legs. Like, I don't know. What can I tell you? The stupid shit worked for me. What did you guys think about it? Uh, overall in the film
3: uh, i think they should have gone further um i mean oh, yeah. yeah i mean be- because literally it looks like cory stole shot on a green screen and they literally just kind of took his face and like all right we're gonna just manipulate this here and squash this here and bah, bah, bah. but thinking about what that trip did to him and the process of them becoming Modoc, i'm like right. jack him up a little bit more <laughs> because literally like you look at that face and like granted it's a giant head but it's like yep that's Corey Stoll I'm like you know when you look at what he has looked like in the comics in the past right. I'm like I think you could have had a little more fun and I think it would have been less jarring to the audience's eyes because mm-hmm. you have again this kind of squished squished face in this in this you know kind of helmet and it just looked it, it looked just slightly off now the decision to use darren cross as modok i thought was great yeah i was like that's that's you know using what you have on the table like who what's who's a bad guy we have down there well because we didn't see darren cross die we just saw him disappear i'm like the the decision to use him great um his scene at the end when he says like now i'm an avenger you were always a brother to me scott like all (laughs) of that i actually thought was really good like the the the, experience the exchange between him and him and Cassie, it was more just the deli- it was more Catherine Newton's performance. And I was like, eh. but but the all of his dialogue, like, what am I? Look at me. I'm a d-. like, <laughs> all of that I thought was great. I mean, it's he's a ridiculous character is a giant floating head. I mean, I, I, I think it were I thought it worked perfectly.
0: Yeah, Mike, I mean, we look at some pictures of Mordak here from the comics and the different versions that we've seen of him in, in different mediums. Uh, and yeah, I mean, you. I mean, this is these are not pretty photos of a of a guy. And then you look at you look at, as we see him in the movie here with his full on helmet on. So I mean, like, do you, what did you think about how they handled this and 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 the uh, portrayal by um Corey Stoll? I mean, it's good. Yeah, I'm gonna sound crazy, um, but
2: I think that the issue with Modoc and I, I know. Is that they didn't actually take Modok seriously enough? <laughs> now I like now like by the way, and that doesn't mean I don't want the jokes. Like right, I think right, right. all the jokes that Mo- they make about Modok, and I think the whole bit at the end with the Avenger thing is absolutely great. But I think that what kind of happens with Modok in this movie is that everybody got so in love with the joke, ah, uh. and Corey Stoll is playing Modok so ridiculously, like like this is not the same guy. Like he's he, I mean, cr- granted, getting shrunk down into the quantum realm probably makes you a little bit nutty. But I think that there was nothing that grounded him. So, like, the closest thing that, like, particularly given, like, that inter- that exchange with him and Kang, where he kind of comes in and Kang, like, slams him against the wall, to me, it was very Megatron and Starscream from Transformers. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. and Starscream is sort of this sniveling, horrible, obsequious... But like I'm, I'm gonna go kill everybody, and I'm kind of got my own plans, and I'm just such a piece of shit. And Megatron is constantly trying to smack him down. But because everything with Modok was just the joke of, oh God, look, it's Corey Soul's giant face floating around. Like there, there, you never really got a chance to be like, oh, this guy really is a dick. Like to me, why the Cassie moment with the dick thing? Like I, I like the idea of it. Yeah. The Cassie is getting over her. This is the guy that traumatized me as a kid. And I'm going to try and tell him to get his shit together. And then he makes a heroic move at the end. The choice of it is a great idea, but he wasn't really a dick. Like they tell me that he's the giant weapon that all the rebels are scared of. And he kind of comes flying in. But the second that you see that it's Darren, it's just like Darren. Oh ah, yeah. I'm a big head now. Boop, 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 boop. And you're like, and like, it the the jokes were fine but if there had been a little bit underneath where you're like dude this guy is fucked up like in a little bit of a darker way and he was like i'm gonna like i'm i've got my plans don't you because like the guy from ant-man was a guy who was lying his ass off and was making all his plans on the side and if that guy had been a little bit whatever and kang had to smack him down like i and like that would have worked more for me so it's not that I want to take away the ridiculousness of Modoc, because he is ridiculous. And I think they had a lot of fun with that, but I think if you had actually grounded him a bit more as a character, people would have been like, okay, that was ridiculous, but I was into
0: it. Yeah. you yeah, Make an excellent point. And have him be more brutal or more, uh, more actually menacing so that when the turn happens, it's so much more satisfying because he was so menacing, right? I mean, that's, I mean, everybody loves that moment at the end of Return of the Jedi. And no one thinks about the fact that this guy killed millions of people on multiple yeah. planets for years because he gets a little redemption with, with Luke. But, like, you could have had that in a microcosm way you know, in the quantum realm where he is brutal or mean or, you know, killing some of the rebels or doing something really brutal and vicious. You're like, God damn it. And then Cassie is the one that finally tells him. And maybe even after an interaction with Hope. Because remember, he had that thing for Hope. He was in love with Hope. And when they see each other, he is completely like kind of half brained in the interactions with Hope and just, says, oh, you, you changed your hair. Oh, you know, the, if there was something there with him and Hope and he was a little more either dialed into that or a little more brutal than the, when the change happens. You can understand why he's so determined to make that change yeah. and make the heroic move. So, yeah, great point. Oh, and for those of you who don't know, obsequious means obedient or attentive to an excessive or servile degree. Just just one to help some people who might have been stuck on your word there. 156 Simple says Can Namor and Kang be best friends? I loved Ant Man 3.
2: I mean, oh, can boy. Namor and Kang make out? Because I'm in. Would 1000% watch? <laughs>
0: Can we stop objectifying people, Michael. Jesus. Yeah. Anyway, Prince Zodiac says comedy was too much Rick and Morty, not enough MCU for me. Oh, is this a valid point? What do you guys think? I, I didn't really feel like the comedy was Rick and Morty. Okay, not.
3: I mean, not to me.
2: Look, I think Rick and Morty at its best actually has really dark moments, which is kind yeah. of what I what I love about Rick and Morty. But I do think that it's not that the comedy didn't work for me, but it's what it's the Modoc point. It's that. In the world of Rick and Morty, sometimes everything is like, let's go for the joke more right. than let's go for the emotional moment. And I think MCU humor, when it's really, really working at its best, is sort of like at a 50-50. Like, we're we're doing the joke, but we're also hitting emotional beats. And I think yeah. maybe this movie was trying a little bit too hard to go for the comedy at some moments when they could have grounded it a bit more.
0: Okay. Shit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. J-West. Oh, yeah, yeah, you chimed in first. Sorry, Shane. J-West, what are your thoughts on the VFX for MODOK I think we covered that. I think overall we're on board with it, uh, but there could have been different. in the. Okay. Jack, like, Jack him up more. Jack him up more. Yeah. <laughs> um, Derek Johnson says, I'd have liked with the variants if they had stuck with them being different people, like in Loki instead of the same actor across multiverses In Dr. Strange could have upped the suspense of who is who and really made you guess. Well, they're about to do that with a secret invasion. So I think if you threw that into the mix, as well, I think that might have been too much for the audience to be like. Well, I don't know what to fucking believe the whole time while I'm watching this stuff. So, I like that it's the same person. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think for I think for the Kang
3: character specifically, like you want you wanted to be Jonathan Majors, mm-hmm. uh, like it, it has to be the same guy, uh, uh, you know, across the board. But I do understand what you're saying, like because you know, obviously, or uh, uh, oddly enough, Mike Kalinowski has the same issue that <laughs> he has such an issue with. He's like, all right. The Spider Men are three different guys. Doctor Strange, it's all Cumberbatch, and then the point that Vogel and I have made to him repeatedly is like, it's Loki. It's some of them are Tom Hiddleston, some of them aren't. Like yeah. in an infinite multiverse, it, you're going to have some people that that look alike.
2: And in the post credit sequence, we see a scroll Kang, we see some yeah. others. So they're not. I mean, I'm basically it's ninety nine point nine percent Jonathan Majors, but I think that you know, there's something. It, we could have ten different actors playing ten different kangs, and that would be a choice. But there's something about Jonathan Majors kind of being a constant that I think is going to make this feel a little bit uh, more complete.
3: Yeah, and to the it could up the suspense of who is who. I don't think that's what they want. Right. I think
0: they want you to know that this yeah. is this is a Kang variant. I think they know Jonathan Majors is a selling point going forward with these films, and so they want to have him be the king throughout the different variants. Zodiac saying, uh, when he told MODOK not to speak in his presence, fire. Absolute fire. There you go. Um, Joe Ramirez saying, uh, thank you, gentlemen. Loved all the great discussion tonight. One more thing. I absolutely loved, at least I died in yeah. Avenger. That was so, so great. Funny. Right? That that line,
2: killed. Like, that was great. Yeah. I loved it.
0: Just the because they go person by person at uh, how off he is with this, but then how no one wants to tell him, like, Dude, you're not an Avenger for doing this, but uh, oh, yeah, sure, why not? He's dying, give it to him. And then the coughing out and the extended death I thought was hilarious as well. Christopher Tyson saying, Love the show. Side thought, I feel like Kang, Wanda, She Hulk, and Deadpool have the ability to break the fourth wall in the MCU and may be a cool element to bring to the story. Kang breaking the fourth wall. I don't know that Kang
2: and Wanda really do. I mean, given their power set, I understand, like, the jump to be like, yeah, like, if if anyone's going to break the wall into our universe, it would be one of the two of them. Yeah. But I think as far as, like, fourth wall breaking specifically, yeah. that's pretty much a She-Hulk and Deadpool thing.
0: Yeah, I think so, too. Yeah, Shannon? Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Cooley High saying, how could you not love baby hands and legs, MODOK? I know, I agree with you 100%. I love baby hands and baby legs. They're so cute on a big old head. Um, let's see. Hank McCoy says, hey, Geek Buddies, do you all think this Kang was the one who remains Kang since he showed the perfect timeline and said he could fix everything? Michael has said this, so Michael, do you want to take I mean, this? I don't know
2: for sure. I I think that, I think it's still, whatever. those two Kangs are very similar in their end goals. Yeah. But like I said, I wonder, what I'm wondering is if, in Loki season two, because there is a big difference from a Kang who is running everything behind the scenes and has put the three, uh, what do you call them up as his pretend? Well, the timekeepers, the timekeepers. Thank yeah, you. I was the like, what's keepers, the, right? like, like, A Kang who sort of is like, let's pretend that there's, let me build some Chuck E. Cheese robots and put them up as the timekeepers and pretend (laughs) that it's not me. Versus like, I feel like the Kang in the Quantum Realm is the Kang at the end of season two who's going to put up statues of himself everywhere. So it seems to me like they're two different ones, but with the same end goal. And maybe what Sylvie did at the end of season one is pave the way for this new Kang to come in.
1: Yeah.
0: And look, Kang, through, since his appearance as he who remains and this Kang now, he is constantly warning everybody not to do the things that they're doing. He is saying, this is going to happen. If you do this, I'm telling you, this is going to happen. And we see at the end, Scott have that moment of like, oh, no, did I mess everything up? Did I just, did I screw everything he said? This, oh, no, I'll blow that off. But, of course, we know that's coming with the Kang Dynasty. So, in a way, this is a table setter, but I don't think we're going to be able to properly assess this film until we're done with these entire phases and they can look back and see how they did set the table in interesting ways in this movie. Uh, we'll see with kang as well um all right, let's see what do we got right now uh we've got a hundred and we got 350 y'all watching us right now please hit a like on this video uh subscribe to the channel as well and if you're watching later leave a comment after you subscribe uh and we've only got 150 likes though so come on guys get in there swing that cursor over hit that thumbs up. That math up does button. not make sense <laughs> exactly it doesn't make sense your likes are in the quantum realm we need them to be here uh, higher up here um all right let's take a quick break and then i want to jump into janet and um and uh, hope and then we'll talk about the post-credit scenes as well to wrap up this conversation uh here on the geek butters right after this
3: i was trying to remember if there was a third one i'm like i don't really think there is (laughs)
0: Um, let's jump into the janet and hope conversation here because i don't think there's much to say about hank hank did his thing rolled up with the ants great thanks michael douglas fantastic says listening to janet van dyne say quote a woman has needs and then ask hank what happened was funny because she knew was hank and not the other woman so yeah this is an interesting portrayal for janet she's very sex positive in this movie michelle pfeiffer leads like large portions, well not large but big enough portions of this movie and certainly her and hank are you know very open about the fact that they just kind of moved on in the situation or the quantum realm him and his earth uh and his universe and so but then when they come together you can tell they're still genuinely uh care about each other we get bill murray and his cameo with krylar and all that um and then possible hints at what she's got going on with uh, with kang so what did you guys think about this portrayal of janet Van Dyne and, and what they did with her in the film in the film and also michelle pfeiffer's portrayal of her
3: I mean, making her the lead for part of the movie was great. I yeah. mean, Michelle Pfeiffer, Michelle Pfeiffer is a true movie star. Like, I really don't think there was anything romantic between her and King. I think, I think the, really? these are just no, nah, no. Nah, I think it was just two 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 people working towards the same goal. Uh, I got more, I got more friendship and and partnership with them than anything romantic. And like the thing with Bill Murray, that that's just funny. Okay. <laughs> like that's 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 just for funny's sake. Um, no, I, I, I really, I, I, really enjoyed, uh, 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 Michelle Pfeiffer in this, like this really, the fact that this was mainly her and Jonathan Majors movie and an Ant-Man movie, yeah. maybe, maybe not the, maybe not the best choice, but what we actually got was great. I mean, I would love to see more about her, her and Kang and, and, and their time together.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. What do you think there, Mike? what do you think?
2: You two just cracked me up. I don't think that like Janet Van Dyne was off being epically romantic with people in the quantum realm, but she was in there for thirty years. Of course, she fucked some people. That's right. Janet like nuts. I don't think I don't think that makes somebody particularly sex positive. I think that makes somebody a human being. Like you had <laughs> sex a few times in three decades. I'm just saying if that's the really definition
0: about- for sex positive. No. <laughs> She's really open about it, Mike. That's my point. In front of her daughter, in front of me, she doesn't care. She's she owns it. I kind of like that. Man, but, yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> she fucked. She did. I, Janet Fox <laughs> Those kids like, those kids like the same um, Yeah, go ahead.
2: I, you know, I, I, I really enjoy. Like, I really enjoyed kind of like Janet Van Dyne getting her chance to shine. Like yeah. that she, that she really did all this stuff, and then the, and then left. Like I, Michelle Pfeiffer is just so great. Yeah. And so, like, I could have actually, you know, it never fully necessarily resolved itself. I feel like this whole idea that she is kind of responsible, like she mm-hmm. kind of left Kang in the quantum realm right. um, so that he wouldn't get out and do more shit, but kind of fucked over everybody in the quantum realm. And so when she comes back, people have a lot of opinions about her and her really that's uh that's where. I, I would have loved some more, like I would have loved more of that and more of a resolution and more of her getting a moment at the end to really feel like, all right, I've kind of I kind of resolved my issues with the quantum realm and can move on. Like they set up a bunch of really great ideas with her and Michelle Pfeiffer knocks everything out of the park. And I just feel like it kind of got left on the table because we got to the end and we had so many things that we needed to uh, service. So I would have loved a little bit more, like had Bill Murray not been eaten by uh, calamari, you know, maybe, like, that would have been, like, you know, you start, and again, it's like, this is, again, I'll yeah. just use the example, when Star Wars is at its best, it does it so well, like, it's Scott versus Kang, mm-hmm. it's Cassie versus Modoc. And had it been uh, Janet versus whatever Bill Murray's name, uh, Krylar, yeah. um, you know, like like the hit that, that would have been her moment to be like, he's like, you fucked everybody over and left. And she was like, and you stayed and fucked everybody over. So which one of us is the real villain? Like they're like right. playing that kind of dynamic could have been really nice. But all that being said, totally down with Janet having her chance to shine.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I loved her in the movie. I thought she was great. Look at her. I mean, look, she's beautiful, this Michelle Pfeiffer. So seeing her take control, I thought was great as well, because, you know, sometimes when an actor gets to be a certain age and really more women, of course, than men, but certainly you start to forget that they used to lead films. They were an A-list actor who could lead big blockbusters or big films. And getting the chance to do that again, I thought was great to see with Michelle Pfeiffer. She hasn't missed a beat, a beat in being able to lead a movie of this size and this caliber. She's great. and There are a lot of rumors yeah. she might show up in the Flash movie. We'll see as Selena Kyle, we'll see. But I loved her being a part of this thing. The, the One of the criticisms I do have about the movie, though, is the Hope situation. Having Hope come in. She's kind of in the back in a lot of situations. Yes, at the end, she saves Scott and, and has that moment with him. And certainly at the beginning, you know, they've, they, they they showcase the relationship. She's helping people. She's very much like Pepper Potts. She's doing her thing. She's in charge of the things that she's trying to do here in the world and change the world in positive ways. Um, but when it comes to the majority of the movie, she is constantly like a step behind her mom and is like, why? You didn't want to talk about it. Why didn't you want to talk about it? There's no scene where she's like, for God's sakes, what the fuck happened here? Tell me now. And they have this heart-to-heart and get everything out in the open and have this conversation. It's always um, in in a group setting with Hank or with uh, J- uh, Scott and Cassie. So I just found that to be a bit of a dropped ball between them. And then just hope overall, a kind of spotty sh- uh, um, uh, approach to her character all over the film. What did you guys think about how Wasp was used, this version of the Wasp was used in the movie? well it's kind of what Vogel said at the beginning how yep. with that that
3: dinner scene that everyone's just kind of getting along like she doesn't really have a problem she's trying to solve yeah, like, yeah, yeah. she's pretty much uh, you know on the level with everybody like she has that one little moment with Michelle Pfeiffer as you talked about John saying yep. like hey you don't ever talk about what happened down there um that that's sort of the extent of the problem uh, right. uh, of yeah. her personal issues everything else is just trying to like get the family together get them out of the quantum realm i mean the moment that she comes out of the uh the the portal to save scott at the end um it carried no weight yeah. because it was like i think i had said to Volga, i'm like i didn't know who was going to come out because at that point like everyone had kind of solved their issue like if right. anything i thought it was going to be cassie um that's the only thing that kind of would have made you know, like thematically make sense to me right. so i think this was just a situation of they had x amount of characters and they kind of got to her and it was like we're 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 kind of we're kind of out of real estate right now um and, and it's unfortunate because the character established in the first one it's a fun character yeah. uh but by now it's just yeah she was just kind of she was just kind of the firepower um in the action scenes that was right. basically the the story purpose that she had
2: yeah
0: yeah um mike anything more on this Pretty yeah good. i
2: mean th- this is just a problem that this is this is the challenge with sequels is mm-hmm. that when you write a movie uh, usually, every character that you create, uh, whether they're pulled from pre-existing material like a Marvel movie or it's an original movie, yeah. you you build characters around your main character. So whatever your main character's story is. You're Luke Skywalker. You got to save a princess. You got someone who's going to train you to be a Jedi. You got the guy who's going to do the stuff that you're not gonna, like everyone is built around a need for what the main character needs. And the more sequels you do, you have all these characters and it's no longer, well what is the main character story? You have to service every character. You have to find something for everybody to do. And with this movie, it was kind of like, well, okay, the the relationship is Scott and Cassie, Janet has the past with Kang. We're going to give Hank a great moment at the end with Ants. And, and and just i just feel like nobody knew what to do with janet yeah. and i think at the end of the day she oh. was the character that got hope oh, sorry uh she was hope was the character that got the short end of the stick because yeah. like you don't really want to add a giant scott and hope are having problems again with their relationship right. so you don't want to do that so they gave her the whole she and janet are sort of a parallel to scott and cassie as a mother daughter who are having a problem but that cat Janet's like, "Hey, here's what happened." And she's like, "Oh, okay, cool. Thanks for telling me, mom." Yeah. Like, there's not there's not really a resolution to that. So, yeah. it really is just like it, it's a, it's it's the problem that comes along when you have too many characters that you just didn't really stick the landing on having something for everyone to do. Um, you know, and like I love the idea that they established at the beginning that she took over Hank's company and is using the pin particles to really like help the world. Mm. And I'm wondering if maybe you would put her with the Rebels and just let Jan, uh, like Janet and Hank have their adventure. And so that you have Scott and Cassie, Janet and Hank, and just like Hope and the Rebels yeah. might have given Hope more of a thing. I don't know, but that's not what they did. So
0: that's this is where we are. Or even Hope and Cassie, because, I mean, she's essentially becoming her stepmom, that you want to establish that connection. Mm-hmm. And you want to establish generation of women within within the Ant-Man universe, but also the MCU, You've got to have Janet, Hope, and Cassie just connecting with each other. I think there was a way that you could have done that as well to make it be a much more powerful uh, end result with all three of the of the women doing the things that they do to save the- Maybe, the, the... but I mean,
2: the main, the main arc of the movie, the main the main emotional drive of this movie is supposed to be Scott and Cassie. Right, you're right. So That's you really great.
0: don't want to mess with that too much. That's a fair point. Might throw things off. Um, uh, I'm going re- to read Haskell's Streamlabs real quick. He says, hey guys, I saw it twice. Thursday in Dolby and Friday in Prime 3D Dolby. It was gorgeous and the 3D was great. I liked the movie a lot, B+. It has some issues, but in my opinion, nothing really major. Would have loved to have seen one scene of Kang showing Scott a timeline or video of a moment in time where he killed Scott or Thor. Thor is mentioned in the film, the guy with the hammer, or other heroes and teams of heroes like the Avengers tried to stop me and see a video of him killing, say, like X-Factor Alpha Flight. Fans would have flipped. I want a Marvel short of louise in the i want a marvel short of Luis in the quantum realm with him and bev talking about holes i wish the telepath character was in it more as well him reading kang's mind could have been interesting and helpful oh well and seeing the flash um guardians of gallons 3 trailer on the big screen oh my god can't wait good night guys so there you go haskell just dropped all the right. mic and roll <laughs> uh, but haskell donated so i read him uh, but yeah he covered it all he covered yeah, it all yeah i think so pretty much um uh real quick before we jump into this and i know we got to wrap up here in a few minutes um the, anything to say about the characters that we see in the quantum realm was that a bit of a waste did you like seeing bev did you like seeing these characters involved the dude with the holes um uh who else uh, Gentora, which is who katie m o'brien played with the sword and all of that quaz is the uh mind uh, uh mind reader there that's william jackson harper who played that is was there any did, I- did they stand out or were they just fine for what they were
2: I think they were fine. I think I think Quantumania gave us rebels the way Obi-Wan Kenobi gave us rebels and did not give us rebels the way that Andor gave us rebels.
0: Oh, 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 wow. Oh.
3: I don't know if I would go that far. Yikes.
2: They, they,
3: were, they were cool to look at. You wish yeah. they had been able to do something a little more with them. Um but yeah, I mean they were just they were kind of there just to kind of fill some space. Yeah. Um it seemed like maybe there was gonna be more between cassie and uh gentura like maybe yes. that some of that may have hit the cutting room floor because she's talking about like oh my gosh you were so cool you were so cool right. um it seemed like there was maybe something else there
0: yeah yeah fair point uh yeah nerd network saying holy crap uh throwing fire yeah, yeah there he is um haskell saying your your buildings are your buildings alive yours are yours dead, are dead? <laughs>
2: Yeah. I liked it. I like, again, it's like, it like my, 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 uh, my refrain for this whole movie is I like the rebels. Mm. I liked all the ideas there. I could have used a little bit more specificity, like, especially if what's the, what's the main rebel leader's name? What's her name?
0: Oh, uh, Gentora.
2: Gentora. If Gentora, you had really nailed a, I am someone who is, I have assembled everyone who was displaced and I have given them a purpose and I have done this. And Cassie was like, that's, Hey dad, that's what I wish you were, you know, like just a little bit more of like really nailing that stuff. I think it would have made it uh, just a little bit stronger.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Fair point. Um, All right. Let's move on to these. uh, uh, We got to get to these uh, credits and post-credit scenes here. We see the council of Kangs uh, there and uh, we see the characters that uh, pop up. Where's my notes here. Uh, Yeah. We get, um, we see the Kang learning. Yeah. We see Kang learning that the Conqueror was killed and deciding to fight back against the Avengers. Uh, Then we see the teaser for the new season of Loki as Loki and Mobius are uh, glimpsed uh, at a turn-of-the-century traveling expo watching a scientist variant of Kang named Victor Timely describing how you can manipulate time much to Loki's horror. And remember, that's Mobius without the memory of uh, Kang or anything like that because it's after uh, Sylvie killed Kang. So what do we think about this Council of Kangs? What do we think about this Victor Timely um, post-credit scenes, gentlemen? Um, you know the the
3: Immortus was that was that Scarlet is that supposed to be Scarlet Centurion There's that last spe- one nobody like, knows everyone's
2: okay everyone's like like in the comics the three main gangs for people who don't know are yeah. Immortus Ramatut and the Silver Sun, the the Scarlet Centurion yeah um, and that guy looked. Not exactly like the Scarlet Centurion, yeah. but I think that he's more Scarlet. Like to to what you just put up, he he seems like he's more Scarlet Centurion than he is Iron Lad, which right. is yeah. another big Kang variant that's probably going to be important to Young Avengers. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I thought that scene was
3: I thought that scene was a lot of fun. I mean, I think that that that's a classic Marvel uh, uh, post Post-credit, mid-credits scene. Yeah. Um. The the idea that this that this big bad is on the way. I mean, going back to like you know, think of like Avengers, the first time you see uh, uh, Thanos turn back and look in the camera. Yeah. Um. The the scene, the teaser for Loki season two. That was the thing that really got me. Um, because amongst the Disney plus series, like I like, I like Loki a lot. It's not, it's not in the top for me, but the setting of a turn of the century carnival and a scientist talking about, and you have two guys at a time. Like that is just right in, (laughs) that is right in my wheelhouse. I mean, I love, I love how they, the the wig that they gave Jonathan majors. I loved his look. And then you see the two of them in bowler hats. I'm like, Oh yeah.
2: And (laughs) it is, it, it is easy It is easy to pinpoint the thing that is going to hit all Shannon's buttons. It is not hard. If there had been a blimp in the background, it would have been a home run for him. Vogel,
3: they were on a blimp. That that part
0: was cut, but they were actually, (laughs) they were on a dirigible. Yeah. I mean, Timely has connections to the fantastic four, to the X-Men, to Dr. Doom. Uh, You know, there's a lot here to throw around because he's the one that comes up with this um, harmless tech before Stark um yeah. even begins doing anything with it so the human to- the original human torch which was an android we saw the original human torch in ca- in one of the captain america movies in that glass case mm-hmm. so will that be the connective tissue all the way back to Victor Timely and if you know Victor Timely like he ends up living a very long life but and he keeps pretending to be his next generation his descendant until eventually he turns he creates these androids who play Victor Timely, and what that leads to in the, in in, uh, yeah. in in the world. So there's a lot with Victor Timely. Just opening that box can lead to so many different things, Michael.
2: It does. I mean, look, the, the I loved both bo- both post credit sequences. Yeah, um, I thought they were a lot of fun. They're they're also dangerous for Marvel because yeah. you know, and I was uh, somebody else was saying this somewhere, but <sighs> like right. for as big and huge as the Infinity Saga was. It was six primary colored rocks. Like we were just collecting six rocks. It was very easy to wrap your head around. Is Thanos going to get all the colors of the rainbow on his glove and when he does, shit's going to happen. It was very clear. Yeah. When you start saying there's all these variants of Kang and they're all this council and they're all getting together. Now, like I think the main ones to focus on are not everybody in the cheap in the cheap seats but right, like right. you know Immortus who is sort of the main one in the comics he's kind of like the far future Kang like the oldest Kang and he's yeah. always fighting all the other Kangs instead of the main Kang as the guy that's behind the council of Kangs which seems like what he is here. Right. And then Ramatut is uh tied to the Fantastic 4 he's a distant relation to Nathaniel Richards right. who went back in time to become Ramatut and then the uh, Scarlet Centurion, which is what that third guy looks like he is, is actually a variant of Ramatut who was defeated by the Fantastic Four. So the fact that those two seem to have some beef with each other. So the three of them kind of being the three Kangs aside from he who remains and the Kang in the Quantum Realm. Yeah. And then Victor Timely, like you said, was a Kang who got defeated by uh, the Fantastic Four and then went back in time and hid. Yeah. And said, I'm going to make some robots and hide. So I think, like, you know, like, as I, what's going to start to happen, and we'll be doing this, and every Geek channel will be doing this, we're going to start tracking all of our Kangs. Yeah. So, like, right now, to me, it's like, it's he who remains, Quantum Realm Kang, Immortus, Rama-Tut, sort of Scarlet Centurion and Victor Timely. So we sort of have yeah. six Kangs right now to be like, okay, this is, this is what we've got so far. So if we get many more than that, I think we're going to start to get very confused, but I think we can handle six Kangs.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was already considering like, Oh my God, do I have to do a video about all the Kangs and what may be coming? And, and that may, that's going to be an exhaustive video. Cause there's so much with the multiple carrying gang variants in the MCU. And it's an interesting look, Shannon, you point out the the wig. I mean, this is, a little bit of um, of shades of Frederick Douglass. So I wonder if this is a conscious choice um, by um, Jonathan Majors to honor, you know, a a gentleman who's very uh, huge in the black community, in the African-American community. I just wonder if that's a choice there to kind of fit in the time. But also the hair is so interesting and the wig is so interesting. It kind of conveys this a little bit of um, mania there. So I, I like that they, went with this choice and this look and there are pictures of of um loki and the bowler as well and ramatut and all that so there's there's just a lot to consider and how they've approached the look of everybody uh, and you mentioned scarlet centurion michael yeah i mean is this scarlet centurion i don't know let's take a look real quick i'm going to bring it up and see what you guys think i mean because uh, so you have something to look at as we at. at. this is a very interesting combination of kings here and again we should stress this they were all freaked out by the other Kang, which is why they sent him into the quantum realm. But the fact that they, that universe and their heroes could subdue that Kang, um, makes these Kangs worried Well, that they won't be able to control. And not universe. just
2: that. I mean, they, yeah. they kind of say, they kind of say like the, you know, the, the heroes have like touched the multiverse, like between, right. yes. between Dr. Strange trying to get Peter Parker into college. And then Charlie's throne (laughs) showing up and being like, let's go stop some incursions. Uh, And between, and and most of what happens in what if, like basically heroes are fucking with the multiverse and the Kangs are like, not so much that the other, uh, the only other thing that I think is important to point out is in that giant arena where the Kangs are, where they're all looking at stuff like just not, not the shot from the comics. Although that is, it's awesome that they basically nailed that specifically, but uh, it's all very dark. The stonework is very dark. Uh, You can sort of see the multiverse. They're looking out on it. So I'm wondering if the space where He Who Remains at the end, you know, where he, they're very similar. Like that place where they end up at the end of Loki season two,
0: uh,
2: where we see the multiverse forming, and the giant amphitheater where we see the dynasty of Kangs, there's enough similarities in the art direction and the vibe of all of it that I feel like they are more or less located in the same place, which I don't know if it'll be important or not, but that was something that struck me.
0: Brett Tatsy says, hey guys, one more thing. I wonder how many people were counting when he asked Scott, how many ones do you have? Great, great Geek Buddies episode tonight. Yeah, what, what do you guys think? I don't oh, know. Oh, the holes moment? Yeah. <laughs>
2: Everybody did. Everybody did. Yeah. I literally was sitting in the theater yeah. and I was like, one, two, three, four, five, six. Oh, yeah. Okay. Seven. Forgot about seven. that one. Yep. Okay. Seven, seven. Yep. That's, that's right. that's why
0: there was a pause. I think that's why there was a pause so that everybody in the audience <laughs> could count their own holes. And I saw some people getting upset about it. I, I, people, y'all need to relax, man. In my opinion, in my opinion, y'all need to relax. That was some funny stuff. I dug the holes. I even, I dialed into that moment when he was shot and everyone was like, oh my God. And then he's like, I have holes. And he swallows everybody in that moment. So I dug that. And I felt, yeah, I thought it was funny. Right. And I felt the loss of some of those, when uh, thermal head gets killed i was like i was heartbroken about that uh for sure now did cassie release Gentora a little too easily and everybody too yes 100 percent. did they go a little too easy on that route yes i get it they want to establish her stature they want to show that she's t- picking up the lessons we saw her go you know go small then big to punch go small then big to punch she's getting it piece by piece so y- y- you allow that or you forgive that a little bit but I thought overall, I enjoyed having uh, the a lot of the stuff that happened at the end kind of come to fruition. Them getting tall and talking about how they need citrus, which is, I guess implies some sort of like, a deficiency there when you get it's that tall.
1: It's so those a little
0: war. moments, I kind of don't. Yeah.
1: <laughs> okay,
0: anyway, right, anything else that we should hit? I know we're, we're almost at the two-hour mark, so we should probably wrap up here. Anything I didn't bring up? I've got all my notes here. Is there anything I missed or any themes that you guys want to hit on real quick before we wrap up? Uh, no, I mean, no. I was
3: gonna say the, the, the potential Scarlet Centurion, those lit parts on his suit, I was like, they almost look like the time stream, and I was like, oh. I, I thought that was a really cool Oh, yeah, I thought, that was, I thought that was a very cool design. Good
0: call. All right, um, then where do we rank this one? Are you guys ready to rank this in your MCU?
3: Let me let me pull, I've, I've got it right here.
0: Okay, all right, Shannon McClung.
3: Whew. So. <laughs> As of right now, this comes in, and and I've only got the movies ranked. I don't put the series on here. Okay, okay. Um, It is ranked at number 20. Wow. Just below Doctor Strange and just above Avengers Age of Ultron.
0: Wait, you put this above Doctor Strange? Doctor Strange is above. Okay, 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 okay. okay. I think I have Doctor Strange in my top 10. Uh, Michael, are you ready to rank this one, or do we have to wait a little bit?
2: Um, I'm just looking. I haven't ranked it yet, but I would say I would probably put
1: this.
2: I have Thor, Love, and Thunder just above Ant-Man and the Wasp in my Marvel rankings, closer to the bottom, and I would probably put Quantumania... Above Ant-Man and the Wasp, but below Thor Love and Thunder. So that's probably where it sits for me.
0: Mm. You have a Quantumania below Love and Thunder or above Love and Thunder? No, below Love
2: and Thunder. Love and Thunder. Oh, no, no, wait. Sorry. That's wrong. No, above Love and Thunder. It's above Love and Thunder. I like Quantumania more than Love and Thunder. Sorry.
0: Yeah, I think I might put this one around 16. I think 16, 17 is where it ranks for me. I'm not as high on some of these other films. And I had a really good time in this one. So... I'm, I'm going to see it a third time. And if I walk out smiling like I did the first two times, then I'm I, to my mind, this is in very squarely in the 15 to 18 range for me overall. Because, I mean, those first 10 are just untouchable in my yeah. mind. So the other ones can be a little more movable for sure, in my opinion. So, yeah. Um, all right. Uh, I think that's everything. So thank you all so much for joining us for this spoiler review of Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. went by quick. Thank you for your stream labs. Thank you for your super chats. We appreciate it madly. Shannon, what do we have to tell him? Yeah, you would like to follow us on social media on Twitter.
3: It's at geek underscore buddies. On Instagram at the underscore geek underscore buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media on Twitter, it's at shannon underscore mcclung. On Instagram at shannon the geek buddy. If you would like to follow Mr. Vogel, it is at mktune. If you would like to follow Mr. Roca, it is at the Roca Says.
2: Mikey. If you like sex-positive women, broccoli aliens, and big heads with little arms and legs, then we are the place for you, and here's what you can do to help us keep talking about all of that super, super weird stuff. You can hit that like button below. It looks like a lot of you have been doing it, but I don't think all of you had. so get on that. Subscribe to Johnny's Outlaw Nation page. Uh, chat has been great. Leave your comments in the YouTube yeah. chat, so let us know what you thought of Mania, what was working, what was not working, and how do you feel about Phase 5 and the road to the Kang Dynasty. If you are listening to us on a podcast, go ahead and leave us some stars and some comments so we go up in the rankings and as always the best thing that you can do is retweet this video post it on your socials send it to your friends and tell them to hang out with your buddies the geek buddies
0: we got one last one that just came in cooley high says let's talk about how janet got a groove on and how she said a woman has needs lol we did that even hank dated someone oh i'm sure hank dated more than one person for god's sakes also how does time work in the quantum realm how come time didn't move forward once they got out of the quantum realm? Yeah, wh- real quick. What are you guys' thoughts on that? Because they didn't want it to. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's the that's the answer. <laughs> Mike, do you? Agree? Um,
2: I mean, the actual not to get super sciency about it, but the whole thing about like at that level, at yeah. that size, like time doesn't work in any kind. There's no set rules to anything, so. Yeah they could have addressed it but it doesn't mean just because scott went into the quantum realm and was in there for five minutes and was gone for five years it doesn't always mean that that's the constant um because it's the unpredictability of the quantum realm that makes it so hard to figure out
0: yeah fair point yeah i mean not everything's interstellar for god's sakes um all right well thank you everybody for watching and a big shout out of course to carbon health who continues to power and sponsor us here on the geek buddies much love to them Please, if you got any healthcare questions, concerns, or needs, hit them up at carbonhealth.com or download the app to have a doc in your pocket. They do in-person care, virtual care, and they're focusing a lot now with new programs on mental health. So take advantage of those things and tell them the geek buddy sent you more than anything else. If you do go, uh, so that they know that we're having an effect and steering people steering people, over to the great quality care you get at carbonhealth.com. Um, all right, y'all take care of yourselves. Be well. We did have our earlier review of episode six of The Last of Us. If you haven't seen that or you haven't watched that, it is up on the Outlaw Nation channel as well from the Geek Buddies, our spoiler review of that episode. And we'll have some, some other stuff coming up later on in the week. But for right now, y'all take care of yourselves. Be well. Have a great rest of your holiday. and We'll talk to you next time with another brand new episode from The Geek. Funnies! Huh? Hey!